Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, and I'm here with my brother and co-host, Devin. Hello. And uh, we're back in the shop today, just he and I. We're going to mix in some of these uh, you know, individual podcasts where we're just talking about videos, which is what we're going to do today. And then uh, sometimes we'll have some guests. And there it goes. The lawnmower. The lawnmower. <laughs> so if you hear that in the background, <laughs> our, our lawn mowing company just showed up. So <laughs> you guys get to enjoy that with us. <laughs> um, there's a sign outside a country shop. We buy junk and sell antiques. Oh, man. <laughs> we buy junk and sell antiques. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and I feel like that is such a good... <laughs> um, I guess uh, mindset for people who yeah it's you know either a salesman <laughs> mindset yeah right. we'll buy your junk and then we'll sell really nice antiques so <laughs> like the difference between a, a thrift shop and a vintage shop right like exactly. a vintage clothes shop right yeah vintage yeah you put the with the name beforehand vintage, vintage. right you get a thirty dollar <laughs> shirt or a two dollar shirt at Goodwill <laughs> the same shirt. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's the upsell. That's people who enjoy doing that type of thing. They put the time and effort into finding that stuff right? and doing the research on it, knowing what has some intrinsic value and what has some like, you know, purchase buyer value and then they resell it. So you have to, you have to know kind of what you're, what you're selling. But you know, as the buyer, you also have to know when you can find that same thing. Right. <laughs> Goodwill or, or Salvation Army for, like you said, two bucks. And yeah, that's the difference between a antique shop and what, like a flea market right or, yeah. an, or an antique mall right and a flea market and a flea market which is they're the same exact thing but right a, maybe but, just you know. more um curated right curated curated right exactly yeah the antique mall they they're they're spending time on their booth to make sure it looks really nice and it's the same booth all the time so they don't right. have to worry about moving things in and out like a flea market does is weekends and things so people bring all their stuff in their car they put it out on tables and and there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I like that. They buy junk and sell antiques. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and I, you know, that same mindset in mind of, of, uh, being on a treasure hunt, mm. is uh, is what I like about that idea is that you buy junk and then you sell it for antiques because someone's got to find it. Or I guess if people are bringing their junk in and they're restoring, right. we buy junk. One man's junk is another man's antique. <laughs> Speaking of uh, antique malls. Ah, I picked up an axe head for Dustin yesterday at an antique mall near me, one I really like. And I usually, I look for records and and any tools and things like that. And there's a great record stand now, any record for four bucks. But speaking of curated, it's clean, good records. Like ah. the ones you're looking for. Classic rock, um, great uh, R&B albums, old stuff like that. It's not all just... Right. Um, 
all Christmas albums, Christmas and, albums, and, <laughs> and you know whatever, uh, right? All the other random one-offs and no one-hit wonders, right? And all stuff. the pop stuff from the '60s that yeah, only their grandparents listened. So, I took a picture of this axe head and sent it to Dustin. So, do you want me to buy it for you? I'll give it to him, and he can um, unwrap it. All right. So he, he knows what it is, but yeah, you can explain. Yeah. Just so describe it. Yeah. They um, and it's wrapped in brown paper uh, with some Scotch tape. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Devin. I appreciate it. Here we can open it on a microphone. Mm. Oh, it's a it's a brown paper bag. Let's do a, a podcast unboxing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll explain it to you in full detail. All right. So we have. An axe head that is broken off. So there's an old handle inside, which looks like it's been drilled out a bunch of times, but someone couldn't get it out. Yes, they gave up and sold it. They did. And it is a True Temper Kelly Perfect Michigan pattern. So those of you who are not, you know, infinitely... uh, Axe junkies. Axe junkies or familiar with patterns. Uh, A Michigan pattern is going to have a rounded pole. So on the top and bottom of the pole, which is the backside, the the hammer end of an axe, the top and bottom are rounded. And usually the top and bottom of the bit, the toe and the heel, the actual sharp edge are usually a little rounded too. This one has a little bit of what we call toe jam. So it means the, the toe of the top of the bit is back a little bit, but not too bad. And the beautiful thing about, um, the Kelly perfect axe is that they have phantom bevels or bevels ground in. So on the actual cutting side, the bit side, uh, there are actual bevels ground in. So it gives this kind of, uh, tapered, tapered view. And this is something that Kelly came up with a long time ago, back in the probably early 1900s where they started doing these bevels ground in. And what it is, is removing material from the actual blade behind the cutting edge. So you have the cutting edge and then there's these like bevels ground and it removes material. And so what that does is that when you're cutting into wood, the wood is going to, everything that you cut with is going to stick to the blade. And so there's all sorts of different edge geometry that helps to, um, to get rid of that, to mitigate that sticking. And this was kind of Kelly's proprietary, uh, early on like idea to actually grind some material off of the actual, both faces of the blade um, so that way when the wood gets there, it doesn't have anything to stick to. So it just pops off. So, so it kind of looks like a, a sloped triangle or a TP oh, yeah, from like the TP. front of the... Yeah, from the actual edge. If you were resting the edge down on a surface. Yeah, it kind of does look like a TP or like a... So, yeah, yeah the TP standing... Hyperbole. Yeah, something that's sticking <laughs> out. And then yeah. the, the sides, everything in the yeah the sky is... is yeah, and other than down. other than like a little bit of the toe being ground back, it looks like it's really... It's in good condition. The, the pole has barely any like tiniest bit of mushrooming yeah but it's in super good condition it has eye ridges um it has three and three so three eye ridges on both sides of the inside of the eye there's ridges and that's something that kelly did a lot some other companies did as well but kelly they're really known for it um so it's probably a little bit a younger version of a uh, Kelly perfect but it's still awesome hacks thank you so much yeah, yeah. you sent me a pictures and you were like you want this <laughs> and i was like Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, um, there's a booth. And that's another thing with antique malls. The good thing about them is every booth is different, awesome. and everyone price prices their things differently. Right. Some people price retail antique prices, right, mm-hmm. where they know exactly how much it is, and they're going to get every penny for it. Right. Some people don't, and that booth always has old tools that are. Reasonably priced. reasonable, yeah, right. and and that that one was sixteen dollars, yeah, and that seemed okay for me. 
And I had heard the from Dustin. I had heard um, Kelly Perfect. Yep. And I thought I think that's that's the True Temper one. He he or that's that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, e- even off the handle. But for sixteen bucks, I mean, you can get yourself an old and you put a handle on it. If you can yeah. handle it, then it's it's a steal. Right, exactly. For a great old axe, absolutely. And but, the Kelly Perfect is such a great axe. Um, there's all sorts of different like fashions. You know, there you go through fashions of what things, what axes are are good and which are bad, and there are different fads. But Kelly axes. Especially the Kelly Perfect, there's it's never a fad. It's like it's always been a good axe. People love it. It's not you know you're not going to get the big bucks for it if you resell it, but it's a really good axe for what it is. Good right. steel. Um, you know, it's called Perfect for a reason. They're awesome. I love <laughs> what, Kelly Perfect. What, what age do you think is to it? I mean, the um, if, if we're reading the, um, I would think. Uh, I don't know. I have to look at it, but with the eye ridges on the inside, um, and Kelly Perfect with the True Temper label, the the True Temper logo is the is the tilted True Temper logo with the line across the top, um, and it's just True Temper above and Kelly Perfect below in um, you know sans serif capitals. I'd probably say something like the '60s. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think probably the '60s, maybe the '70s, early '70s, only because of with the eye ridges. I think that was a little bit later. Usually if you have, if you find an ax with no markings on it and some remnants of red paint and mm-hmm. eye ridges, it's almost always a Kelly Wood Slasher. Or at least that's like a perfect place to start. There were some other companies that did it, but if you find like original red paint and eye ridges, it's a Wood Slasher. Um, yeah, so this actually, I don't know if I've ever seen, not that I can think of, maybe I have an actual perfect with eye ridges. So that's awesome. Thanks so much, there man. There you go. You got it. Looks like it's got some old nails in that. Oh, yeah. All sorts of fun. <laughs> and the tricky <laughs> yeah. thing with that antique mall is it doesn't have service. So every time I find oh, something, yeah. I have to like go either <laughs> walk around, find a booth that has like one thing and send it. I actually found one booth, the corner of it, and sent it to you and waited. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's in the Westminster yeah. antique mall. Yeah, yeah. So up in Westminster, Maryland. Uh, yeah, I've gotten a, a few axes from there. Um, my favorite axe that I've gotten from there, or at least my best story was the uh, Collins Legitimus Hudson Bay pattern axe with the U.S. stamped on the other side of it. And um, I actually was in a booth, and this guy has a bunch of military stuff, so old fatigues, and he's got some, like, bayonets and and wooden, you know, handle, Mm -hmm. uh, rifle handle stocks and things like that. Um, He's he's right on that corner with all that stuff in it, like, jam-packed. That real tight one? Yeah. You know, that one's gone now. Really? Mm -hmm. I was just there, like, a couple months ago. It's gone. Dang. I was there yesterday <laughs> a uh, a lot of them got are, are gone i guess yeah the right. covid thing for a while no one was buying stuff and the margins i feel like are so small at antique malls right you got to pay for the booth and then just right, hope exactly. people wander in and hopefully buy the right thing yeah and i'm sure with that with that mall and with a lot of malls they're probably like you know the the, the people who own them understand what people are doing like they can't keep paying a monthly fee a rental fee to rent the space when no one's buying it right so they probably take down the booth yeah and then you know they the ones that have been there a long time and sell a lot i'm sure the people are like we're ready to have you back whenever you know you want to come back or whatever so but so i was in that booth and i saw a uh, hudson bay pattern collins legitimus uh full size not like a not a hatchet size but a full size so maybe a three and a half or four uh four inch wide bit and it was leaning in kind of in the corner 
Uh, so I grabbed it and picked it up and it had $15 on it. And I was like, oh man, this is golden because <laughs> Collins Legitimus is a really good axe. And also the Hudson Bay pattern is super, super like uh, popular pattern. And that's one of those things where the Hudson Bay pattern has always been cool because of the history in it, but it definitely has an upsurge right now in popularity. Hmm. Um, so, and they're, they're notoriously hard to hang because they have such a small amount of eye because the eye is really narrow and the bit gets really big to cut down on weight. But so fifteen dollars, I was like, that's like sold. I mean, I could, I could probably, if I, if I wanted to, if I wasn't a collector, I could probably have just bought it and sold it for like fifty bucks online. Right. So I was like, all right. So I went up to the guy, picked it up, and he's like, well, he's like, I actually just picked that up from another booth, and you know, not really interested in selling it. So I was chatting with him a little bit, you know, trying to butter him up. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Wait, cool. this was at Westminster? This was at Westminster, And you yeah. saw the guy? Yeah, the guy who owns that booth. He, he was, was actually there. there. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So we're chatting, and I told him a little bit about, like, you know, I collect axes and stuff. And he was like, yeah, I like this one. You know, I, I'm looking for a new truck axe. So he just wanted something in his truck. I was like, man. <laughs> so eventually after t- chatting a little bit, I'm like, all right, well, how about, you know, what if I double your money? You know, I'll give you 30 bucks. He was like, eh, kind of hesitated. And he was like, all right. So I knew, I was like, I want it. And 30 bucks is still nothing. Like if, like, again, I wasn't planning on selling it, but I wanted to, it would be, I knew it was worth it to pay for, you know, twice as much. So, and it's like, he wasn't, he didn't buy it specifically for that. He's, he, I think he does like collect, obviously collect and sell military stuff. So it has that military feeling to it. Cause yeah. it has us stamped on one side and the handle has some, some green paint on it. So I knew that was, like original is probably original handle too, like an actual military vehicle, which is cool. So did we I do that one? Too. Was that that one uh, that we did with the green paint on? So, so <laughs> leading into our topic, our kind of video discussion for today, um, we didn't actually do a video on that axe, but it was in the video. So today we're mm. going to talk a little bit about our video that we put out, which is called Restoring a Vintage Collins Legitimus Axe Head and Surviving the Flood. <laughs> so we were, uh, we were, the idea was to take another Collins Legitimus Axe Head, which I have, which is a Dayton pattern, mm. and to restore and sharpen that. Uh, and in the beginning of that, we start out looking at my axe collection and I kind of pull out a few different ones. And so I pull out that specific one because I knew that that one was military, had the green paint on the handle, which is still on it. You know, I kind of cleaned the handle up some, but I left some of that green paint. Um, and, uh, so I had that, that I use that as a reference. Like this is an ax head that I know for sure was a military ax. Um, and, uh, and then the Dayton pattern had like a silver paint on it on the top and bottom. And the Dayton mm. said, Collins Legitimus, it's a full-size axe head, and on the back has USA stamped. So I wasn't exactly sure if it was something that Collins had made for military, right? you know, you know, production for the, for the U.S. military. Um, and we can kind of get into some of the comments that people have commented about that since then. Because I asked in the beginning of the video, like, if anyone knows more about this or if they have any information on silver paint on axe heads, Collins, you know, USA stamped let us know in the comments. We've gotten some good comments about that. Um, but specifically for that video. So we started restoring this ax head and I'm, I'm just talk a little bit about what I do to recondition the ex- exterior of the axis. So I'll wipe them down with WD 40 spray them, get them nice and kind of 
saturated on the outside, a nice thin layer of WD-40, and then a wire wheel. So I take over to just my my steel wire wheel, and I just wire brush the outside to clean off any dirt, any rust. Obviously, if there's like severe rust, there's different things, different avenues I'll go about. But I haven't really had too much trouble with the axes that I buy um, with like crazy, crazy rust. You know, it's not something that's like been underground or in the water for a while. Right. Um, there are other ways to go about removing rust, and we can talk about that too. But um, yeah, so I go to the wire wheel, wire wheel everything off, and then walk through the steps of how to restore the axe. Cleaning up the pole, so where there's any mushrooming, which is where someone may have like used the back of the axe to hit on steel, like steel wedges or anything. You know, anytime you're using that, because the pole of the axe is usually going to be softer than the bit, because you don't want the pole to actually shatter. You know, you can use it as a tool. Um, I clean up that and then go through it. And then while we're getting ready, we go through the whole uh, process of kind of prepping the axe head, so it's cleaned off, it's ready to go. I uh, I think we also started doing some of the chamfering on the um on the bit on the um on the pole end of the axe. So I'm actually like putting in a 45 degree bevel all the way around and cleaning up that mushroom and get that off. Right. I'm just about to start actually sharpening. So I have this my grinder, which at the time I had just the one by thirty and the two by and the four by thirty six. I'm getting set up on the four by thirty six, and then we start noticing. So it's been raining all day, and <laughs> we start noticing kind of these rivulets, like streams of water coming in a little bit. Right. And for those of you who haven't seen or um, haven't seen much about our videos, so we're in, I'm in a shop. We work in the shop underneath my house. So it's a, it's a half-sunken basement. So it might be four steps down into the basement. So half the basement is underground. Um, and that's where my shop is. So it's, it gets damp down here. And, you know, anytime it rains, there's little puddles and stuff that, that, that form. Right. Um, but this was like long rain, like a long, you know, steady, saturating rain mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started seeing these rivulets come in and we're watching and the, the water starts building up in a few areas. And then like before we can even really know it or stop, I think we might have gone upstairs for have dinner or something and came back down. Mm. And it was like an inch of water in the whole shop. Right. Like, oh, man. <laughs> so I have a little pump like a water pump that's sunken in the the um the hole in the in the basement floor and plug that in i have a hose just runs outside so i plugged it in to see if it would work and no luck <laughs> not working <laughs> so we're like fiddling with it and you know obviously Devin's like overjoyed because all this is like youtube video gold <laughs> he's like oh this is great filming everything getting all the all the shots and i and i start taking apart the pump to see if there's something like clogged or whatever that i could figure out what to do what you don't see in the video is that when i take it apart and open it up um inside of these pumps there's oil everything's encapsulated in oil so that the pumps can run right and then water flows around, so there's this like sealed, contained mm. area of oil. Which you weren't really aware of. I didn't really know either. So I open it up, and then all the water, just, all the oil, just like right. just pours out onto onto my woodworking table in the middle of the room. Like, oh man! So I kind of skipped over that in the video, but I got it back together and just put it away. And it was it was dead. It was an old one, so I wasn't too worried about it. So we had to postpone the filming until the next day. Um, so. Yeah, I remember I was – it's, like, getting all watery. I'm trying to get, like, Dustin to talk about it, but he's just kind of stressed about it, you know. I 
like, man, I got to get something. I'm like, wait, before you leave, do this. You're like, I got to go, man. I, I got to go. <laughs> I'm like, come on, just like, we need to shoot. You go. I and like, to get to Home Depot. I need a wrap up. <laughs> and you're like standing there in it. Like, all right, well, see you tomorrow. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna go out and get something. I'm like, all right, one more take. You're like, oh, come on. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> it was flooded. Ah. I'm like, come on. Just give yeah, me, right, give me one minute. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a shot of... Um, it's a shot of quote unquote me driving to uh, Home Depot to pick up the pump or whatever to you know Lowe's or something, and it's actually Devin on his way home. Yeah, that he's night. driving home. He just took a you know had his camera out and took a shot of him driving home through the woods and stuff across the to, bridge and then hit that big puddle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was perfect. <laughs> it was like nice and rainy. And we did yeah. a yeah, the, <laughs> and then yeah, just editing, having fun with it, doing like black yeah. and white, dirt, yeah. dirt, dirt, like creepy music and so, like. <laughs> Just messing around with it. Did you use something? Didn't you say something about using, like, the music from The Shining or something? In the, well, yeah, I um, the next day. Oh no, that was before. <laughs> that I just slowed down with the music that we have. Right. You know, if you slow anything down five hundred thousand times, it sounds right. It's like so. It sounds cool and creepy. So I used that, and then yeah, it was a little uh, reminiscent reminiscent of the shining and that's why i did the next day thing like oh right the next day because in the shining there's like boom monday right it goes black and there's oh, that white right. text right oh and nice. then he's that driving was there with his family and then tuesday and he's sitting there alone you know typing and so i did yeah, that was just <laughs> the, awesome. the shining the next day yeah. reference <laughs> Yeah, so we come back the next day it's you know it had been dry all day Devin came back the next evening or whatever and <clears throat> We finished up, you know, putting the bevels on, using the grinder, um, working through that, and putting, you know, going through the whole steps of of reprofiling and sharpening the axe, which turned out really good. And putting nice like bevels on, I actually cleaned up the entire pole. So you know, uh, it, because it was mushroom pretty good. And anytime you, if you're hammering on the back, you're putting dents and divots across the pole as well as mm. mushrooming out the sides of the pole. So I cleaned up all the mushrooming, and then I used the um, use the grinder to clean up the back of the pole to make it nice and shiny too. So you get the back of the pole juxtaposed against the front mm. of the bit. So now you have this nice patina across the entire thing. Um, and then you have a shiny pole and a shiny, uh, bit, a yeah. nice trick that, um, still looks good. Yeah. I'll, uh, one of the tricks that I do that I found out while doing that is if you're, if you're grinding and you touch or tap areas on the, uh, on the ax head that you're not, that you don't want to have that shiny steel, which I always do. I always end up hitting something or I'm grinding too, you know, too tight of an angle and I end up hitting right. a little bit high on the axe or whatever. If you take it back to the wire wheel and buff it, then it, it takes down that shininess. It kind right. of smooths out. Now mm. it's obviously not going to be back to the patina. You've already ground off the patina, but it does take um, some of that that bright shininess and just dulls it down some. Mm. So you can leave that shininess in the areas you want it and hit, the, hit it with a wire wheel where you don't want it and it'll just kind of mat. It'll add like a kind of a matte layer on Right, top. it gives it... It's a yeah. thousand instant scratches. Exactly. Right. So it just mats it out and then, yeah, it, it kind of blends itself back into the patina, which is nice. So. But yeah, so that was fun. It was a, it was a fun video and I, um, it's what, what I do on my free time is a lot of ax stuff. So it's fun to incorporate that into the videos. And there's always people that are ax, asking about, <laughs> about <laughs> more <laughs> ax videos as opposed to some people who are like, oh, another ax video. <laughs> What are you doing? No, that one was, as re-watching it, you definitely, you were very calm in that one. Yeah. You're very, you're very, I don't know, it wasn't much. Right. And a lot of enthusiasm. It's funny because you would think, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing my ex stuff. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Maybe that was from the rain. Uh, oh yeah, in the yeah, beginning right. of that, there was it was just raining real hard. Yeah. Then, right, it took some shots of it in the beginning. That's and right, you're like, yeah. oh, it's a rainy day out, but we're in here <laughs> doing this. And then it turns yeah, out right. it floods it later on, which was just luck from us. <laughs> just luck. Well, luck. <laughs> this is great. Lucky Devin. I, I did those shots in the beginning with the rain. It's perfect. I put them in the beginning. <laughs> foreshadow. Doesn't know. It's eligible. Just stay inside. Nice and dry. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, so we can go, we'll go through a couple of the comments that some people have talked about. I love this part of the podcast, going back through comments and talking about it because it's just fun. And it's one of those things where a lot of people ask the same questions so that we can go back through and kind of answer some of those questions and also revisit some of the things that we talked about or some of the questions that I asked on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, on the, on the video, like right, specifically right. asking about if anyone knew um, you know, knew specifically about that axe and where it would have come from and if it was military. And by and yeah. by the time we we get to these videos to talk about them, you know most of them are a year old. You're right. So you get yeah. hundreds of comments to look <laughs> yeah. through. So I just come back and talk a little bit about it. And you know we obviously benefit from those questions asked. People ask answer comments you know, with comments all the time and answer, yeah. answer questions that I asked. But it's nice to go back through some of them. Yeah, so. it's, it's not just uh, lip service to get see some some. I feel like some channels or videos. I mean, some people do it just. To, they don't want your comments. They want the comment. They do want your comments, but just right, just for the algorithm, right? Just exactly. to show there's engagement. So that's right. why they'll ask some. Some channels will always ask you a question, and it'll be something silly, right? What's your favorite color? I like green. Comment down below, right? Exactly. It's like no, yeah. you don't. What well, you don't care what my favorite color is? Right. Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. You just want that, that, and I comment. guess that's fine. Yeah, but we. Yeah. I, I guess if we do ask, it's not for. It's because we really want to know, or we really right. want to read them and look through them right and yeah a lot of times it's also like i know i'm doing something wrong so instead of just waiting for the like shitty comments they're like hey you don't know what you're talking about i just ask i'm like all right well just i ask. know what i'm doing wrong what do you what do you guys think yeah, well, huh, give me what, some pointers right <laughs> and there's always yeah you get much better feedback that way yeah because a lot of people you know when someone asks for help you're more willing i guess yeah instead of think you know someone makes themselves out to be perfect and you're just like right. you really don't know what you're doing you did this wrong you did that wrong but if someone asks hey what, what about this right. then they'll help you out then they'll comment go oh yeah. yeah sure and that's i think that's one of the things that is important in videos and something that sometimes we can't get away from is that people assume that you're an expert if you're talking about it and a lot of the stuff we do like <laughs> there's a lot of things that i know a lot about but i'm not an expert on any of them right you know i know i know a lot about stuff and i love doing it and i want to show that because i'm enjoying it and i can teach from what i do know yeah but you you're you know, not a it's not you're not learning from the master I'm necessarily not, yeah, of exactly. these things right. some some 80 year old sword maker from japan who knows yeah. exactly how you know it's, it's like it's not called the art of master craftsmanship <laughs> just, crash, just, you know. just craftsmanship doing doing your best at what you can do and trying to give your full craftsmanship to that mm -hmm. and that's what i like to do and obviously they're not always sometimes we're just like do it really quickly but you know but it really is about that that kind of balance of being an artist and being a craftsman and doing something that you love um, but yeah, being clear about that on the videos, which we try to do when, you know, we're trying something new. And mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people who do that as well. And I always appreciate it. They're like, I just, just to let you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying it out. So let, let's all go right. through the journey together. We still have the, um, like, oh, they're on TV. Right. It's almost like if the news says it, it's because they're on TV. Yeah. Yeah. They must know they're on this television. Right. But back then there was, I mean different now but you know there's a lot of money behind that stuff so you just assume they they did their homework and they know what they're right. talking about now anybody can be on youtube but we still have that mindset like yeah. oh they're on my tv 
Right. They must know. Yeah, they, it's they, they, There's yeah. something they have or they know better than we do because, right. you know, it, it could be MPT. Yeah. And I would say a majority of the time when we get comments from that, that are that are specifically people saying you don't know what you're talking about like you're you're an idiot blah 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 like why are you saying this you know it's from older people you think i think it is i don't think so i mean cuz i mean not old people but like people who do know better maybe and they're older they're in that older generation you know like in our generation in our 30s we grew up with tv and not youtube those, you know, then even older as you get back, like they grew up with, like you said, just straight TV, where if you watch something, it was going to be, it's the people should have done the research and like, right. you know, you're not or if it was a show, TV. a yeah. show produced about woodworking, right. they're going to go in some amazing woodworker shop. Right. Like Roy Underhill. Right. You know, right. The Woodwright shop, you know, he's Roy gonna, is he's a gonna, master. You're going to see <laughs> the best people doing it. Right. Yeah. And so those, I think a lot of time it's those people who, who know, who do know more and who want to comment and then they feel gypped almost they're mm. like oh i've just spent all this time and this person they're not doing yeah, it the way i do, do it yeah so, he doesn't even know this little thing right exactly yeah maybe <laughs> i thought about that at one point i was like i should start saying some things wrong on purpose just to like build up comments <laughs> no no <laughs> no just kidding but yeah <laughs> well i can't believe you said that there's like 700 comments yeah. and people are like you said the wrong thing you called it a you know phil said and it was a flat hang we should just hang an axe upside down <laughs> on the opposite end where the phone's foot is trim the phone's foot down i don't know why this end looks so weird and bent <laughs> backwards but we're gonna straighten it out we're gonna make it look good and we're gonna hang it <laughs> just see people lose their mind uh man that's funny uh Roy from Vintage Axe Works on Instagram just posted a uh, a real quick video of him hanging an axe upside down. He didn't actually like fully hang it, but he put it on. He, you know, he's he's shaping the eye on the wood handle, slips the head in, turns it up, smacks it a couple of times right. to seat it, and then like holds it up and he goes, "God damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> and he like shows it to the camera and it's hung upside down. <laughs> I was like, "Ah, oh, that's great." And I commented, "I was like, oh, I've done that." <laughs> just like as yeah. you're you know you're testing it, especially when you have something that's a. I mean, this, he was, it was just like a little boy's act. So it wasn't, it had a very definite, you know, top and bottom. And, you know, the, the uh, logo was on the right, the correct, the side that you want to see the logo on when you hang it, which is if you're hanging, holding an ax and you're with, if you're right-handed and you're holding the ax and the ax is on your right side. So the head is toward your right hand and the bottom is toward your left hand. Traditionally, and a lot of axes have the logo on that side. So when it's, when you're holding it right-handed, you can see the logo. Right. As it's like facing away from you. Um, and so you could see it. So it's obviously like it had been hung upside down. It was on the wrong, it was on the other side mm-hmm. and everything. He's just, he just, you know, grabbed it, doom, doom, did it really quick because he's just <laughs> working on it, you know, test fitting. Yeah, right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, those, I, I don't yeah. know. The, yeah, the, that's, people love to see that stuff. Yeah. So you might right. as well show we all do it. No one's, no one's perfect with mm-hmm. that. And and Roy does such an amazing job on the axes he hangs and all. So it's great to see that. You know, and he's, and he's, uh, flamboyantly excited and uh <laughs> and like he love he's, he's he does a great podcast uh the axe and iron podcast with chris cash from uh, mount phillip metalworks and um yeah roy is uh he doesn't hold back that's not a, that's not a podcast for children <laughs> he's like gets ups- angry and upset and happy and laughing and cussing and it's great it's so much fun to listen to <laughs> he's got such character awesome. are any podcasts for children i don't know well, i think there's there's friend family friendly yeah right. ones you could have one in the car with your kids yeah, yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. I, I, I love the fact that the making it podcast with Jimmy Duresta and, um, Bob and Dave, they, um, yeah, they, they it's clean. There's no cussing or anything. So right. that's the one I'll listen to in the car when I'm with my daughter, Corinne. And speaking of, um, kids, right. Uh, I'm, we're going to have a, my, my wife's going to have yeah, a baby yeah, yeah. here soon. It's yeah. three weeks left. Oh man. So it could come anytime. Her sister had hers three weeks early and her mom had my mother-in-law had both of my, my wife and my sister-in-law had them two weeks early. Oh man. But you know, we're going to have her a week late. I'm sure. <laughs> Cause Caitlin's like, ah, we're good. I'm done. Come on. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right. She's getting big and you know, everything's a struggle getting around and, and this is your first child. Yeah. Daughter. Little, That's little so girl. exciting. Oh, it's awesome. And uh, those, w- I've been building a lot of, not building from scratch, but, you know, but putting right. a lot of things together. All our furniture, all this, the the, the baby seat and, and the car yeah, seat right. stuff. We I had to figure out yesterday. That was fun. <laughs> Where's the button? What, how do I level this? What do we attach it to? We had a little teddy bear. We were like locking in, but it was like way too tight. So the head's like popped out. I'm like, man, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man in like in a month you'll be a pro uh, you'll yeah. have done it like 50 <laughs> times 100 times everything yeah every you're re- like so, where's the buttons uh, here does this latch here is this backwards and yeah now now i think you know you sit the the, the baby with their feet towards the seat right and facing backwards towards, yeah. yeah right we we installed these little like mirrors Oh, nice. You could see. Like rounded yeah. mirrors. So we can look in our rear view and see that mirror and then look down and see the baby. <laughs> that's awesome. So anyway, we're, we're putting the stuff together and that's one of the things where there's mistakes. But by the time my wife gets home from work, because she's still, she's still working, mm. I'm at the hospital. It's done and looks right. good. But there's been, I put stuff on backwards and had to take it all off. And there's a couple times I messed stuff up and just, I'm like, she won't now. Just... Put it together. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, that looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Great job. Thanks. <laughs> I spent all day putting two pieces of furniture together. <laughs> well, it works. <laughs> yeah. Look how good I did. And I, <laughs> it didn't take me more than all day. It really wasn't that hard either. <laughs> George Costanza would say. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the new wing on the Guggenheim? You did that? Yeah. Really, really didn't. Wasn't that hard either. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take that long either. I'm an architect. <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to be an architect. No, <laughs> pretend to be an architect. <laughs> oh man, we love Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been watching uh, some like just the best ofs, like you know the funniest moments, the top ten. Oh, just going through YouTube and watching those recently over the last like week. <laughs> I've probably watched six or seven of them. There's so much fun. So good. Just sit there on the couch and like I'll be you know it'll be late after my daughter's gone to bed and either my wife and I will like watch a movie or we'll hang out or we'll watch YouTube videos or whatever, read books. And so so the other night I was sitting there watching it and she's she was uh playing a game on her phone and I was watching the Seinfeld like the best of and, and we're she was you know I'm watching it and she's not even paying attention but we're just both cracking up because she, she knows <laughs> she knows the scene and the voice and when someone right. says like because it's the best of so the ones you know and we're just both laughing hysterically it's so good so much yeah, I fun. think um someone needs to, is it on Hulu or something I don't know I think Netflix needs to pick it up yeah because they're losing friends which was their huge one. Oh yeah I think The Office is disappearing from there, too, because NBC is that new streaming platform, mm-hmm. Peacock or something. It's, it's kind of a dumb name. All right. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I mean, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but everything is just kind of what, oh, this is 
Right. Disney yeah, Plus. Yeah. This is so you know what it is. And you know. Right. You gotta say cock every time <laughs> <laughs> you turn it on. That's a little weird. <laughs> NBC, yeah, they're like, Yeah, it's not great. that there's anything wrong <laughs> with it. <laughs> uh, man, so <laughs> when we were growing up I we're on all sorts of fun tangents today. Uh, <laughs> Devin really got the rest of our family into Seinfeld when he was in high school, I think. Really started watching it more often. And at that point, it was obviously past all the seasons and all. Like, they ended in, what's it, like seven seasons? Late and, nine. No. Yeah, seven. Late nine or like mid-90s. Mid-90s, right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, by that point, there were reruns on. And it was like every night at the same time, there'd be a rerun of Seinfeld. Which right. you can still find on some of the public channels. It's awesome. But yeah. um, so Devin started watching it more often. And then because of that, we would all start watching it more often. So he got us all back into Seinfeld. And we, I remember I remember watching the seasons and I remember watching like the last episode and all like, you know, when it was still right. on. Um, you but, must probably you were in middle school yeah, when right. I was in elementary. Well, 90s. I was. Yeah. I, I, went, I remember watching the final right. and knowing like, oh, wow, there's. There's 10 episodes left of Seinfeld. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I watched, I was in high school in, uh, in 98, my freshman year. So it would have been a couple years after, but you, when you were in high school, which would have been four years after that, that's when I think you really got into it. Maybe even like they were, school they, yeah, cause that, that those here in the U S the, the syndicated shows were that you always saw was friends yeah. and Seinfeld. Those right. were the two big ones that were constantly yep. played. Then you had stuff like Frasier. Mm hmm. Um, and, and I don't know, and then there was all the other ones that yeah, kind of disappeared, ones. like right. mad about you mad and, about you, you yeah. know, all those, but the big ones were friends right. and Seinfeld. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that everyone, everyone knows and, and got rewatched and rewatched because they were the best ones. Yeah. And, and people still know, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And so Devin, uh, a, uh, innovator of his time <laughs> started, Hey guys, this Seinfeld show is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> five years after this yeah. ending, he started rewatching them all and got us all back into it and then he started recording episodes on VHS so there would be just a, like a VHS in the VHS player and then as oh, soon yeah. as it would come on you would record <laughs> I forgot about oh, this is a good one yep you would record it and then we would have it and then you would stop the record and then it would just sit there like because we didn't watch tapes all that often you oh, know yeah. and yeah. then it would just be ready so the next night it would come on you start recording I totally forgot about so you that. were like capturing seasons before seasons were even a thing <laughs> like this all is the, the first tiva you just fast forward <laughs> through the commercials yeah <laughs> this was before i mean seinfeld never came out on vhs right and yeah. a lot of shows didn't because you didn't have enough space it was like yeah. 60 minute to 80 minute vhs's and this was before dvds or right yeah right around right dvd around time. time yeah but nothing had come out yet. And I think the Seinfeld DVDs came out maybe, I think when I was in high school. Yeah, I was going to say probably a couple years after you started doing it. But. In like 2000, <laughs> early 2000s, the DVDs came out. Yeah. and But even those, they came out like once a year. Right. So you had yeah. like the first two seasons, which aren't the best of Seinfeld. Yeah. And you're like, okay, they're still developing. Kramer's not as weird. Or, yeah, right. And then <laughs> I think my buddy uh, Nick had, had got the first couple of seasons. Oh, so I was nice. like, I'll wait until three. <laughs> So we uh, taped them all. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, so we just had the tapes of all the Seinfeld episodes. <laughs> so back on track. <laughs> back to the video. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. We'll we'll go through some of the comments, which again are some of the most fun parts of the video. Uh, I'm going to start off with the first one. Uh, this is from Michael Lionart. Lion apostrophe art. He says, uh, "So how did you set up the angle for grinding, please?" Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that one, uh, because in the video, 
sorry, technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> so in the video, I set up the angle for my grinding and actually, so on my, the tool rest of the grinder, uh, I found the angle that I wanted by basically taking my angle gauge, resting the ax against the grinder where I wanted it to be adjusting the ax until it was the right angle, which I think I was aiming for like 12 and a half or 13 degrees, something like that. Cause I think I was aiming at 27 or 26, 27 right. degrees yeah. on the edge. So I just came up with that angle by using the angle finder and adjusting the ax head until it rested against the grinder at the right angle. Then once I had that right angle, uh, I just took a piece of angle iron and, you know, slid it up to the axe and then clamped it down. Yeah. So I knew that when I put the axe into that spot and pushed it back against the angle iron, it would be the right angle. So that's how I came up with that angle. And, and again, the, uh, the angle of the actual edge, 27 degrees, um, that's just from years of doing research into axe edges and what different angles with different, um, you know, edge geometry works for different things. And almost all the axes I have, um, except maybe a few are for, uh, like bucking and felling. So actually cutting wood and not splitting. I mm. have a couple axes that are, that have a wider, uh, bit, you know, real fat in the cheeks. So those are designed more for splitting axe for splitting wood, but you know, you already have to have wood kind of bucked up into chunks, you know, ideally cut with a chainsaw and they're flat. So you can actually stand them up on edge and then, uh, split them apart into firewood and uh, all the wood that I use. I don't have a, I don't have a fireplace in my house. So all the wood that I use is all for my fire pit. It's yeah. always just like, you know, getting wood from the woods or fallen stuff or cutting down like standing dead trees and things and, and then just splitting it up into, 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 into smaller chunks. So bucking it. Yeah. And I want to cut not split. So, so my, usually my angle is between the 25 to 30 degree. So yeah, so that's how I found it. So you kind of just rest your ax against it, uh, find the angle you want with an angle finder. And I just have like an actual angle finder. Right. Um, and then, uh, and then just clamp down something to keep it in that place and you're good to go. Yeah, that's something we should explain better. I think. Yeah, finding those because that was yeah that was, and we we I, as I was rewatching that this the older video I was we just did um, how to sharpen an axe profile and edge geometry right because we were thinking let's just do a couple straight how tos so if people were searching them I mean Dustin explains all these things in many different videos about axes right. and knives and stuff but it's just in there. Right. So if yeah. you're looking for one specific thing, I, I was thinking we should start doing just how to yeah. this, how to this one step. Right. And put them out for people who are just searching for. Right. Yeah. Because one we, simple thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, that still fits into kind of the, uh, the feeling of our channel, which is you get a full thing all the yeah. way through, but it's, it's, we're just narrowing things down to more specific skills. Right. It's, so it's, it's like, you're going to get this skill all the way through. You're not, I might not start and finish a project, but I'll, I'll completely go over this one skill, mm -hmm. which I use a lot, you know, so something like that. So that's why we did it. And we just, we just recorded that, uh, last week and put that out on Monday. Yeah. And, and, and it's nice cause it's only a day of shooting. It can yeah. be done quickly, <laughs> but, uh, just to have, have them mixed in with the long, I mean, if you want to sit down and watch 40 minutes, the whole thing, the yeah. ax and a, a new handle and this and every little part. Yeah, you can do that too. Right, and, yeah, and all, a lot of that information will be in the other videos. But right, this is a way that if people are searching and they don't know us, this hopefully yeah. get, gets uh, 
them introduced to right, exactly. our, our other stuff. channel. Yeah. And then you get, you know, you can go through and decide which things you're interested in, which things you're not interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got another one. If you're combating moisture, how do you keep the rust down? I do like your work, though. So that's specifically, obviously, it's relating to the video. Calvin Wisdom. Calvin Wisdom. So he's saying, if we're combating moisture in the shop, how do we keep the rust down? And it's just a constant, vigilant battle. <laughs> I have, uh, in the video, you'll see that I actually used like a WD-40 soaked rag to wipe down the axe to start with. I have that in a tin on my shelf behind me, so that's always there. Um, I always have that ra- rag, and occasionally I'll just spray inside the tin with WD-40 and get it saturated again. And I use that to clean up axes before and after I use them. So I'll actually go out and use an axe, and I'll come back in the shop, and I'll just wipe it down, you know, get the dirt off, wipe it down with WD-40 maybe hit the edge a little bit with the strop if I need to and then hang it up so that way it's sharp and ready to go for the next time but um so yeah so I all of Max's like I just have that rag I always coat them and keep them coated with uh, WD-40 I have a dehumidifier in my shop um <laughs> and uh yeah I just try to I just try to come down here off and open the door get some airflow and get things dried out when I can uh but yeah it's just a vigilant effort i'm always wiping things down and in you yeah. know sanding things off and cleaning them up there's there's just you know having a shop in a basement it's always going to be a little yeah, it's damp an, it's and, an old basement yeah but things that i you know i don't there if there are specific things that i don't want to get rusty you know I'll, I'll take them upstairs or whatever or i'll or i'll really coat them down with some like wax paste or something yeah. or you know with or three in one oil so i can get them nice and like saturated i saw you look over my shoulder we have uh, something on the top of my toolbox that's been sitting down here in the shop. <laughs> if your name is Alex Garland, you might understand what that is. Outdoors Fifty Five. <laughs> well, I guess you could talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So we had a uh, we have a uh, collaboration with Outdoors Fifty Five, and we kind of we did talk about it on we you know we prepped it on Instagram and stuff, and we've talked about it before. But uh, we are doing a project where we're both taking. Um, you know, an old machete, machete and then making a sword out of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have mine finished and Alex <laughs> may have started grinding. He started, I know he started grinding cause there were some shots of him grinding really early on. This was like pre COVID. Right. <laughs> yeah. We started this video pre COVID. Yeah. So that's how long it's been. It was, it was right around the time because I know that we talked about, um, doing a, like a COVID a joking COVID exchange at the end where we would both be in like, you know, hazmat suits and exchange the swords. Yeah. Or it was, whatever at the it was end. so long ago that it was still, it was still a joke. Silliness. <laughs> it was still, I mean, no one had masks at the time. Right, yeah, no, yeah. I was still working. I still had a job. Yeah. They didn't shut down the country <laughs> and the earth. But uh, yeah, we got to yeah. get that back. Yeah. So I have that. It's been, it's all shiny and polished and, and has been coated in <laughs> thick layers of oil staying down here in my shop so it doesn't get rusty. But, and but he's, it, a, he has a legitimate, he, um, it, they're obviously COVID hit and all sorts of different stuff happened and they've been, he's been working on selling, you know, getting his house ready to sell and not been in the shop and focused yeah, he has, on working. He, he hasn't done his own videos. Yeah. His wife and daughter, you know, they're, they're all taking care of each other. So. You know, don't worry. It'll come out eventually. And Alex, don't feel pressured. We, you know, when you're ready and you can get it done, awesome. But you know, <laughs> we have it ready for you. And our and we recorded the video. It's ready to go. It just we just need the ending, which is the the exchange, the collab exchange. So, but yeah. So that's yeah. one of the things that's down here. That's yeah. I was um, thinking about anytime you have a basement, you're kind of battling the basement, unless maybe it's a brand new one. But even I guess newer houses don't. But there's always a chance they'll flood. Right. So it's. 
and this is an older basement with old stonework and stuff. So it definitely floods a little bit. Uh, my buddy guy, he was, he's been looking at houses out in the country and he found, they call it a barn demodium, barn, like a condom, like a condominium, like a, but a barn, dominium, barn dominium. I think that's the word. Huh? But it's, uh, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it looks like a pole barn. With one side a garage and one side a fancy, oh. and connected by like the roof still and like a breezeway, but it looks exactly the same metal siding. And oh, he, he had okay. seen one, and I was like, that one doesn't even have a basement, right? He's like, I don't want a basement because <laughs> he he's been fighting his house <laughs> oh, that he's yeah. trying to get ready to That's sell. Right. He's been fighting that basement for since they got there. Mm-hmm. That's not a new, not necessarily a new home, but it's not ancient, right? Probably built in the seventies or eighties. But yeah. he's like, I don't, I don't need a basement or a yeah, pain. Right. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Yeah, find storage otherwise. So it's like a, uh, I guess people are doing that now. Yeah. They're building pole barns and making them really nice, basically. That's cool. So you have this cheap thing that you can throw up. Yeah. Almost like a modular. Right. And then you just do the inside real nice and you have this kind of tough outside. Nice. So he's he's looking at He looked like at that. it. I don't okay. think he's going to buy it because the land's weird around it. Yeah. He was like, oh, it's got like four acres. That's perfect. And then I looked at the lot lines. It's all his driveway. There's this really long driveway that goes, it's in between a bunch of other properties. Right. And it wanders, you know, for like half a mile. Oh, man. And then around the house is a little circle, a plot of land, maybe like quarter acre, half acre. Yeah. Just to give you enough for a yard. And that's it. And the four, the four the acres. Four acres are the, the 10 feet to either side of the driveway oh, for a half, half mile. What? I was like, we, and it's surrounded by other, other, other yeah, plots of land. I'm like, yeah, because four acres is a decent amount of land. If you're if you're if looking you have for it in one spot, bit. yeah. Like, but if you stretch it out over half a mile, <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah. You have enough just uh, you have just enough to have to mow yeah, long right. strips. Yeah, exactly. Just to be annoying. <laughs> yeah, and you play golf one hole back and forth on your driveway. <laughs> oh man! So battle basements. Yeah, guy, goat guy, goat on guy. YouTube. Find him there. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> When he gets to the house, he's uh, we've well, he he wants to start a uh, a goat channel. His name's Guy, so he'll be the goat guy. And that'd be awesome. He's always wanted goats, and uh, we want to watch him have these goats and start from the beginning. And he has to start shooting soon, like shooting yeah. himself, learning about it, going right. to visit. That'd be great. He does a really awesome goat imitation. <laughs> I can't do it. The, ah! scream, the screaming goat. <laughs> I can't do it. My wife's always like, don't try. You can't do it. Stop trying. <laughs> Guy's the pro. We'll, we'll have him on once he gets his channel. He'll do it for us. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, another comment is from Robert. He says, you call that some water? Do you also call alligators salamanders? <laughs> By the way, one of these days you're going to stick your hand in that nasty cooling bucket and something is going to bite you. You know what they say about cleanliness? Well, obviously you don't. Enjoy your videos. Cheers. That's <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> you call that some water? Well, you know, that it, I will say that it's not the first time that's happened in my basement. So you weren't panicked. And that's also, yeah. that's a good thing about, I mean, if it happening, once it happens, you start to pull everything up off. Yep. Yeah. off the floor which yeah. is kind of nice you start putting stuff away right you don't have yeah. a bunch of stuff laying around <laughs> exactly. all the time because yeah. you know right if it's important it'll probably get wet so everything's at least yeah a foot up yeah i have um recycled and reclaimed um 
forge bricks all around my shop that are that are things that are sitting up on. So if I just have this something that's like leaning in the corner, it's sitting up on something, either wood or something. Because like I said, it gets there are damp areas that happen all the time down here. Whenever it rains like heavily for more than an hour, I'll get little areas of damp um, around. And so I know that and I know where the water flows. So everything is up off the floor or if it's on the floor, it's steel or it's in a bucket or something. So yeah, not steel, but you know, it's, it's like the metal edges of the, of the, um, the shelving and stuff down here, but everything's up off the ground. Right. So yeah, I prepared that, but yeah, the, uh, I like that some water. Yeah. The first time it happened, which was shortly after we moved into this place before we started our YouTube channel, I had maybe, I don't know, a, a good, six, eight inches of water down here. So, mm. you know, ankle deep. <laughs> and I literally just took a bucket, a, a kitty litter bucket. So it's flat on one side and just like <laughs> scooped and threw water out from down uh. here, just up those steps tsh, tsh, for like a good, you know, 40 minutes. I was like, Oh, so and then you went right to the store and bought <laughs> and your pump. Got, yeah. I got a pump. That was like, <laughs> at the time I was like, this is what I need to do. You know, I should have thought like, let me just go out to the store now, spend 40 minutes, 40 minutes of time going and buying a pump and then just turn the pump on. But it worked. But yeah, that was, uh, that was annoying. There was some water down here. And, and, uh, as for my bucket, you know, that's, I use that bucket for grinding and stuff all the time. And it always gets full of nastiness and I dump it out and then I put fresh water in and then, you know, it's always there. Oh, so, is that the same bucket? Uh, you know, if, Maybe. if it's not, it's, it's the same oh, the idea. Same, right. <laughs> a square bucket. It's just a, yeah, it's just a bucket that's below. It probably might be the same bucket. It's just a, blo- a bucket that's there below the grinder. And so it gets full of all sorts of stuff. I have seen some tricks where people will kind of, well, like if they're using metal buckets or something or whatever, they'll glue or attach a magnet to the outside of the bucket or even drop it inside the bucket. So that way all the steel and everything that goes in there goes and sticks right to it. So it's not like clogging up the water. It's a good idea. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's the, the buckets for the water. It's okay. It's a little dirty. Right. (laughs) I guess what is this one more, one more question? Maybe Uh, we got a couple more. Okay. Tracy O'Brien says the axes, shovels and pickaxes on military vehicles were painted completely in OD green. So that's a good that's a good response to um, the question that I had asked, and then I have one more, um, yeah one one more comment that also goes not just doesn't go along, but it's also answering the question of if anyone knew anything about the axes. Um, they say all the ones I've ever seen just have U.S. on them. They were just plain green. Wouldn't put anything like silver paint on them because it would show up in in it would show up in military military conditions. Um, and then someone responded to that Richard Anderson. Oh wait. So that was, that was Richard Bryant. And then Richard Anderson responded to him saying Navy gear is painted gray, which could appear as worn silver. Mm. However, if it's Navy, it would have an anchor stamp somewhere. So I, and where would you find an ax in a Navy? Well, if it, anything like any, anytime you have, you know, a vehicle or like they're all going to have like fire axes and regular axes for any type of, you know, I mean, obviously, any emergency where you need like a tool that can cut through something—that's yeah, army, though. Yeah, yeah. But any, I mean, any v- any drive any vehicles on a right on a ship are are going to be other right navy you, or yeah. I and mean, not marines or army would be right. The navy transports them, so you get right. your Humvee, right? Your army Humvee, or ah, right? Know. Yeah, but it would have been. But I mean, there could be you know amphibious vehicles or something who knows i don't know but but it was a good thing that like navy is painted gray army and marines and things are painted right that that's kind green. of their color green right. and i guess green would also work in winter right unless it's antarctica but then you're not really 
hiding out. You know, no right. one's no one's yeah. battling up there. You're just kind of wrapped up. Yeah. But green will work in snowy areas because you always see there's green and trees and everything. Right. Yeah. And I was yeah thinking about that when when I you know the reason why I thought that it may be military was because it has USA stamped on the back, which this one one person says that. Um, it would have just been stamped U.S. Like the Collins Legitimus Hudson uh, Bay pattern just has U.S., not right, USA. Right. And the the U.S. on the Collins Legitimus is like stamped afterward. You can tell it's stamped differently. Like the U and the S are a little different. They're both they're not as deep. Right. Um, and the USA on the back of the Collins is like even. Like it was one stamp that they put in when they were manufacturing it. Now so you're that could be if if you were to look that up. It, it I know you have a website, but right. did, did you look that up on that the uh, I didn't. I didn't look up specifically. So there are lots of different places where you can find information, and obviously, one of the things I go to a lot is Axe Junkies on uh, Facebook. So it's an Axe group, um, and all about Axes. So if you have any questions or comments, I always go there first. I'll put a question up, put a picture of my question. Um, that's if it's not something that I've already I know or something that would be based off of like a time period or when it was made or where it was made. That stuff I can find on other websites, which I'll tell later in my recommendations. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. So as far as like the the background, finding out the information, I love the Axe Junkies Facebook page. Um, and you know how how to find that information. You know, re- referencing other people and something like this, where I was able to ask a comment and get some good good information back. Right. Um, so, um, I did want to talk a little bit about how I got into collecting axes. Um, my mm. background in axes and why I'm an axe collector. And people ask that all the time. Like, why do you have so many axes? You know, like you don't need that many right. axes. Like doesn't, don't they all do the same thing? Yeah. I want to, b- before you do that. Okay. Have you ever sold an axe? Mm. I've sold, um, modified half hatch half hatchets like one two two yeah and you have how many axes uh, a lot more than that <laughs> <laughs> probably with heads and like finished axes i have like, um, like 20 yeah let's see i'm looking at it right now so two four six eight ten twelve fourteen sixteen eighteen twenty twenty two twenty four <laughs> twenty six twenty seven hanging from the axe rack and the axe and, rack is where i kind of put and, the and a couple right sitting right around it Oh yeah, that he today he went. I need more. I need more space. <laughs> I need a bigger. Axe I was rack. thinking, well, you know, you could sell a few because you keep finding these ones. Like, wow, this one's worth this much. This is cool. But then you, you're yeah. the, you're also collectors. So you're like, ah, I like it. I'll just <laughs> right, hang exactly. I'll just hang it up. <laughs> It'll look pretty. Yeah, and so I can I, look at it. <laughs> when I first started collecting axes, it was because. Um, Devin's looking. I also have a bucket full of axe handles and axes and some axes and, and that one painted full bu- bucket, <laughs> one painted white, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. So you mean the one with like the mm-hmm. the um kind of aged white paint on it? Yeah. I just got that from my grandfather in law recently. Uh, that one's that was great. His, yeah. You don't see a lot of totally painted handles on this. No. Maybe yeah. Military. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That one's that one's really nice. It's a another um Michigan pattern. Uh, I can't remember what the what that is off the top of my head. It's across the shop, but um. Yeah, I picked that up from him. So he's he has this uh their garage, which so my my wife's grandfather worked for GM, um, doing, you know, he was a mechanic and uh and worked for GM for years and years and years making cars. Um and so he's got this he's a he's a, a he's got the maker mindset. His entire mm-hmm. shop is just full really well organized, but all full of just stuff that he's collected over the years. So 
boxes of PVC joints and, you know, like pipe clamps. And he's got, <laughs> he's got a chain that's like six feet long. That's full of keys that he's just collected over the years. Cause it's like something. And then he's got boxes of old magazines and he's like way too much stuff that he needs. And he's, he's to the point now where his, the rest of his family's got to come in and help clean all this stuff out and get rid of right. it. And half of it is probably junk. And the other half is probably also junk, but you know, <laughs> someone would appreciate that junk. Yeah. <laughs> the other stuff is like, you know, envelopes from tax doc tax documents for years and years right, and years stuff you know, that it's can like go. yeah stuff that can go but um, they're not going to audit him anymore right <laughs> 1976 <laughs> but i knew i was 100 actually they yeah, probably would i i spend a de- every time we go and visit them down in north carolina i spend some time in that shop just looking around and like <laughs> it's like a treasure hunt i'm like i gotta find something cool in here and i was uh He's i was like, helping Dust- him <laughs> dustin's coming hide all the good stuff <laughs> you're gonna find one box <laughs> here it all is he has a nice uh four inch uh wilton bullet vice on his on his shop table it's like the one that i always want I'm like i want that i want that vice i'll trade you i'll give you this Irwin four inch jaws vice it's like he probably won't he probably hasn't used it in years and years but it's a good vice and that's the other thing he's got a lot of good quality stuff you know he always recognized quality um but yes that was they're having some trouble trouble with their uh their stove and their oven so i went down and i was i was turning off on the breaker box there's this little gap next to the breaker box down low and it's between two shelving units, which have all sorts of hardware and stuff. In it. And right back in there, there's a few things. And I noticed in the back, I saw the handle. I was like, Oh, what? is that it? I've been looking for years. I'm like, I know he's got to have an ax down here somewhere. <laughs> That's what I'm always looking for. I reach back in, pull it out. I'm like, Hey, yeah, nice. So I talked to, talked to him and, and uh, my wife's grandmother, and they were like, please take it. <laughs> my mother-in-law, father-in-law, right. <laughs> they're like, that's great. You know, We know you like those things. Go ahead and take it. We're not using it. So it probably hasn't like seen the light of day in 20 years. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do a video on yeah. it. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's a cool one. I, I like I like a painted handle. I mean, I guess it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, well, I mean, I mean it'll, preserve, it'll preserve the wood. It does, yeah. The, the only thing is that you know the paint is going to have a, a different slippy. surface. Yeah, well, it's going to be but, a little slippery. So it just depends on what your taste is. Like if you're fine with that. That's fine. A lot of people will paint parts of their handles. Mm. Um, like the the best made tool axe company, which is like a kind of a popular axe company in New York. They're kind of re, you know riding this rejuvenation of axes and and selling new axes and doing like uh, cool painted patterns and stuff on the handles. And uh, <laughs> and so you know, you could do a that too. We could do, do a that, uh, right? you could do a painted handle video. I could. <laughs> I don't know if I want to, but we'll you, see. You can paint. It could be cool. You mix yeah. it. And you could, I mean, I, the thing is like, you know, a lot of people, when they were actually axemen and there'd be a lot of people with axes out in the field, cutting things down, they would paint different parts of their handle to identify whose oh, axes right. were what. Right. And so that's the reason why people would paint, you know, the bottom of their axe handle red or something. You right. Know, you or just blue have, or whatever. Yeah. Cause you're out there with a bunch of guys. You right. sit down and have lunch. You yeah. lean your axe against it. I mean, it's a good axe, and you kind of you'd yeah. be able to obviously find you'd which know. one was yours. Yeah. But it's just a quick. It's just easy. John's yeah, got right. the red. I got the green. Right. Susie's yeah. got the pink. <laughs> Big Sue. <laughs> Big Sue. Yeah. If everyone has you know an axe and everyone's using it, and you know five people have Kelly Perfect, you know Jersey axes, and they're all in hickory handles. Right. Yeah, I mean they're they're going to be a little easy to mix up. And so, yeah, I paint the bottom. So it's just something to d- differentiate yeah. yourself. Like, oh, I painted. Oh, right. You know, I don't see that much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the shoe brand that has the red bottoms? It's like high heel shoes. Oh, 
I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, right. I don't know the name of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little off our beaten path. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but they, but everyone it's, knows that. Yeah. It's just a thing. Yeah. Wow, the bottom of their shoe is red. Yeah. It's just, it's, it anyone out. could do yeah. it. It's right, just exactly. that, when they see it, like, oh, that's a blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So if you make a whole company that has a green stripe in the middle. Right. You know, that's that's a... This yeah. one, I know he spent $200 on that X. Right. And one of the things that I, I see often on Axe Junkies and on different, uh, like, the Axe Hounds Facebook pages, people will die their axes or like we, we did in a video where we actually charred the outside. So it's, mm. you still get the same texture of the wood, but you get different colors. So yeah, you could do a dyed ax where you're actually like, you know, dipping it in a dye or just thinning out some paints so that way. Then it actually soaks in and then you still get the texture of the wood, but you get the color. You got to wrap rubber bands around it, like an Easter egg, <laughs> drop it in. <laughs> like tie dye. <laughs> oh man. Be kind of cool. <laughs> Hippie X. Yeah, tie dye right. X. Um, so yeah, so I got into axes, uh, back, I think when I was actually in grad school. Um, so, you know, I was obviously already an adult. I've, I've always liked hatchets and things growing up, but sure. never really into collecting them until, until I was in grad school. And I went, we had this, uh, this great, uh, dump recycling center place that, which is up in New Hampshire. They have these at most of the recycling at most of the, um, there will be recycling centers. So there's an actual place you can take your paper and glass and uh, plastic recycling. But then there, most of them will have this little outbuilding, which is like a free exchange place. So if you have stuff that you don't necessarily, or, you know, you could donate it to Goodwill or whatever, but, or you just bring it here and drop it off. They'll put it up on the shelves and then, and you can also pull up and wander around and take whatever you want. Mm, it's just great. a free exchange. They also have this huge scrap metal pile. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I would often, we'd go in, drop off some recycling. We'd go over to the little exchange place, look around a little bit, you know, buy like an old, like corningware bowl or something, you know, who knows? It has all sorts of stuff. It was like, like I said, just like going through Goodwill or Salvation Army, but free <laughs> <laughs> and, great. uh, yeah, boxes, books and tools and all sorts of stuff. It's like the book thing. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. And then, so we'd always stop there and then on the way out, I'd pull up to the scrap metal pile and just stop and look, you know, look around on the outside a little bit because of most of the stuff that was there had been there for a while. Cause you yeah. know, bring a backhoe in and push it all into a gi- big giant pile. But I found like a cast iron. I got a nice like cast iron pan there before mm. it had a little bit of rust on it, but it was perfectly fine. And then I found this ax head and it was actually a, a hatchet, um, a claw hammer hatchet or claw hatchet. So like a half hatchet, which is flat on top and round. This was like a claw hatchet, which was actually round on top and bottom hmm. and then came back into a claw hammer. And I was like, that's kind of cool. So I grabbed that and took it home and cleaned it up a little bit. And, uh, I guess I put it on a, I don't know if I put it on like an old handle or something that I found or whatever. And, hmm. but that kind of started my ax addiction. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of cool. I like this. You know, I could sharpen it up and use it. I don't remember you have. Did you have a lot of axes when we lived together? Uh, no. No. But, but that was the seed. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I didn't have. I'm trying to think when I really started collecting. I guess it was. It was really like in the last six or seven years. Mm. Um. Yeah, because a a good friend of ours, um, Sean Porter, who now I've, I've converted into an ax junkie. Um, <laughs> he, when he was still living in Baltimore before they moved out to Seattle with the whole tiny house, if you haven't listened to that podcast, you can check it out. Crafting a life. I want Sean, um, when he was still in Maryland, which was up until 2012 or 13, uh, 
I, it wasn't into access and that's when you lived with me then. Hmm. Uh, so it wasn't until they moved and then I kind of started getting into them and started collecting them. Uh, and the reason why, or I think one of the reasons why I got really got into it was because my wife and I were looking to buy a house after we were, you know, we, we moved, um, from our apartment that Devin was sharing with us cause it's cheaper to get a three bedroom apartment than it is to get a two bedroom apartment. Right. <laughs> and we had our daughter who was just turned one or two and I needed a spot. Yeah. And our other brother had gotten married <laughs> and kicked Devin out of their house. <laughs> Can't be in the basement anymore. <laughs> so, uh, he, we, we reached out to Devin and said, Hey, you want to try to move in with us? We can, we're looking, we got to move back to Maryland. got a job teaching at Baltimore design school or, uh, working at Baltimore design school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got that place and, um, then a couple of years later we were looking to move and we didn't, we wanted to buy a house. So we were looking at a bunch of different houses and we were going and checking out houses with a real estate agent. And one of the houses we went to, we, uh, drove up and the family, it was, it was this older gentleman, his, he was, um, his moving into a home or something. And so his children were selling his house, Mm. um, had already moved and they were cleaning out this big garage. And so we went into the house and looked around. It was really cool. Is that up in Northern, uh, Eastern Maryland up near kind of like the elk neck area, the top of the, the Chesapeake Bay. Mm. Um, and, uh, a decent amount of property, maybe like six or seven acres, this beautiful farmhouse with a big um, garage and all. And they had been cleaning out the garage. So there was just this pile of junk outside of the garage. Mm. And I was chatting with them a little bit afterward. And I kind of looked over there and I was like, Oh, what's all this stuff? And they're like, yeah, it's just things we're getting rid of. You know, it's all old junk. And they're like, did anything in there you like, you see anything you want. Mm. And I had seen an ax head sitting there, a Kelly perfect, broken off. So the handle was broken off, but it was still inside the eye and it had a chip, a decent sized chip. Maybe if you imagine like what the size of quarter round, when you buy like wood trim, you buy quarter round. Yeah. That's like an inch and it's rounded over. Mm-hmm. It was a chip about that size on it. So, um, I was like, Oh, that's cool. I'll take it. You know? And so they, I got that and, and then started looking into it. I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool looking. It's got these weird bevels on it. Like I didn't know anything about axes. So then I started like, looking online and looking at pictures and then right. found the extra X junkies page and started realizing there are all these people in the world <laughs> and on X junkies. It's something like 30 something, almost 40,000 right. uh, members. Yeah. Um, and people who are into, into axes and into the history of it and just being like a tool person and loving those, you know, I was like, Oh, this is cool. So I started looking it up and right. then I, then I reprof, I didn't really reprofile, just rounded the chip over. So mm. it was still like a flat bit and then just a rounded edge of the bottom. Uh-huh. I eventually went back and kind of cut off the whole bottom where the chip was and just made it into just like a little bit narrower bit. You still have that one? I do. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, I did that and then just started really getting into it and started looking at, um, flea markets and looking at other places and seeing them. And that's kind of where I go to find access is flea markets right. and antique stores and yard sales. Something you can find it yeah. under 20 bucks for an ax head. Right. Exactly. That's the whole point which, of that. Which, which X is it? Uh, it should be the fourth. Can you grab it? Sure. I'll go grab it. I want to see it. We're, we're, when we don't, um, we don't do online podcast with guests we just are down here and dustin's in the shop now you can see on uh, the youtube channel now he's going over is that the one he's uh searching he's got to be real careful because they kind of dangle on the edge he's got two in his hand okay so this is the one i got one grab this one all right, I'm coming back. 
This is the one? Headphones back on. Okay. So, yes, that's the one. That's the X that um, I cut. So, this had a big chip out of the bottom here. Mm. And so, I had, I had rounded over, but it was still... It's a, it was a wide bit. It's a, a jersey. A jersey pattern X has... Uh, we call the the cheeks or the ears or the 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 bottom part of the eye where it attaches to the handle. They come down in points on either side. That's yeah, the jersey pattern. So, um, but it originally would have looked like this one, which is another Kelly Perfect jersey. Um, and you can see the the difference. So, this one is has a five inch tall bit the 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 actual cutting edge and that one's probably like an inch shorter right yeah and that's because i just trimmed off this whole bottom part uh, that's a uh flint edge um kelly yeah. true temper kelly flint edge and this one's a kelly perfect so similar size similar axes but that one got trimmed down that's the one that led to everything else uh, i bought a handle from a you know a hardware store and put it on reshaped it a little bit and then you know years later went back took it off put it back on reshaped it again <laughs> like, <laughs> so you didn't really know about the wood green yeah i didn't <laughs> yeah that's it's 45 degrees it's not horrible yeah when you're looking at axe handles you want ideally you want your grain to run the same oh. like parallel with the um what is this boiling oil yeah. you want it run parallel with the with the axe head that's the strongest orientation for most um axe handles so that one's got a 45 yeah it was a as the original handle i bought so i was like, bought a handle put it on the head started playing around with it went back years later and cleared up cleaned the bottom of the, the uh the bit more and it's <laughs> cool brought it in yeah and so i have this kind of custom axe head that's that's shaped the way that i made it. it's more like a uh uh, no, there's another pattern I can't think. How'd of. you hang it? Um, a lot of metal, a lot of wedges. Oh right, yeah. So, it's it's hung. Um, you know, normal. You hang it with a wooden wedge, and then I went back in later. And I think I think when I first made this, I put the two wedges in. Mm. That's also when I really started getting into Wrangler Star because he had some really good axe videos, which he really does. I love his videos about axes. Yeah. Um. So I. I, I think I put them in right when I hung it, those two wedges. And now, now usually I don't put um, metal wedges into my axes. I mean, it's not bad though. No, it's, I mean, metal wedges have a purpose and they're for me now, I prefer to use them when the axes start to get a little loose. Hmm. So you, use you, the wedge you hang it first in. and then if it's loose, then you go, okay. Right. You hang it as good as possible. And ideally you won't ever have to use a, a wedge, but also being down the shop, it's like mm. there's moisture and you right. know, then you have move. winter and summer and there's different, you know, humidities and things. And so they just move anyway. So you, you just realize at some point that you have to put a metal wedge in it just to get it going. You know, it'd be cool if we hung up um, a few of your axes. Right, oh. Like next to the AOC sign. That's a good idea. Right? You could have one up top, two on the side. Yeah. I like that. And then you'd also have access to them. Right. But it just looks cool. Yeah. And give me some more room to uh, hang. Yeah. We've, yeah. We've you could you could, you could put a bunch. I mean, if you yeah. maybe. Um, uh, I could put a rack there and have access hang. Oh, that's a good idea. I like yeah. it. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I just started collecting axes and. And you know, built a rack to hang it up, which at the time I made it had 10 or 12 axes. And I was like, all right, well, this one looks, it's got like spaces for like 20 axes, right? I think that's a good amount. <laughs> Get to that point and, you know, have, have enough to hang it's on a rack, have plenty, but you know, not, you know, not more than I need, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I have, those are all finished. That's, that's my rack to hang finished axes. <laughs> that's like, uh, our, the, um, the record boxes that I made, right, the record yeah. crates that we made, which right. we could probably do a video too. That'd be cool. Cause I need two more. All right. So I built four, <laughs> 
um, like crate boxes, kind of right. we made with with some uh, cabinet plywood. plywood and, yeah. Um, kind of. I guess you probably have handles. Each one can hold like forty or fifty records. Probably. Right. Right. I, at the time, I had enough for like two and a half. Now <laughs> I've filled up the four. <laughs> Time and I'm, it's uh, no stopping in sight. <laughs> Just picked up. Um, oh, what's the album? It's a yellow um, electric light orchestra. It is uh, yeah. New Horizons. Mr. Blue Sky. That's the, that's the best. That's the best. No, that's know. from Into the Blue. Oh, okay. That's um, like one of my wife's favorite songs of all time, Mr. Blue Sky. She has a Pandora station that's called Mr. Mr. Blue, Blue Sky. That's, that's their biggest hit. Yeah, yeah. Such a good song. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, love Yellow. And um, Mr. Blue. Obviously, he's a big Beatles fan. So uh, it's called Discovery. Okay. He made it two years after. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Out of the Blue, not Into the Blue. Oh, right. Out of the Blue is probably their best album. And then Discovery is actually really good. And nice. a bunch of others. He, he's the man. So you got that at the went what, at the antique mall. Yeah, that's nice. what I got. So <laughs> I'm out of space. So <laughs> okay. we have to make two more. I like that. Yeah, we could do that. It'd be, a, it'd be a fun video. Record cabinets. Right. <laughs> nice. Uh, so if if you're gonna get an axe, and that was your first one, now you know thirty axes later. Right. If you're thinking about buying an axe, what what should you definitely not buy? Uh. Well. Um. So, you know, there's there's this kind of um, mindset that anything made like in China is bad. And that's not completely true with axes. Um, it's more about when they're made. Mm-hmm. So I have a few uh, axes that were made that have like China stamped on them, and they were they're older ones. So there's like a quality. It's more about a time frame. So if you get right. newer and newer things that are newer, actually. Honestly, newer axes may be heat treated better than older axes. Right. But but there's but the there's steel a might. quality right, there's a quality to steel. There's you know that axe companies that were making axes specifically for that reason were getting good quality steel. Like the the heat treatment and stuff has grown better over the time when we have like electric kilns and things that people can do really even heat treating right. these right. days. And they would have had them back in the seventies and sixties as well, but you know, we can kind of dial those things in better these days. Um <clears throat> but so when I when I I'm looking for axes to buy, if I see, for one something that you know you you kind of have to know what you're into, so what styles and what shapes of heads you like, right? So it's a little first personally, just yeah. For what just what you right. think kind of looks cool, yeah. I mean, it definitely has a purpose the way it looks, right? But yeah. and usually if you find like an axe with a um, a fiberglass handle, that's going to be something that's relatively new within the last like. 15 or 20 years. Right. Um, so I usually will stay away from them because I know if it's, if the ax head is on the handle still, it was probably made more recently and not necessarily quality. Right. Um, if there are styles again, like I'm not a huge fan of the Michigan style. So usually I, I have a bunch, um, you know, more than I, I don't, I don't need any more. Unless it's something nice, like this one, Devin just got me is a Kelly Perfect, which I will never turn down a Kelly Perfect. They're like one of the, my favorite axes of all time. Um, so you're looking for specifically for your style. Uh, if you don't see any markings, like if if you have a stamp anywhere on it, then you'll be able to obviously age. You can check te- check out the age of it. You can check out the quality of the maker and all. So you're looking for stamp. Right. Um, a lot of really early axe heads will have the maker's mark and the logo right up along the um the pole it'll be like horizontally or you know it'll run this the same direction as the pole 
and it'll be close to it. So those axes, if they're older, they might have a lot of mushrooming. So the mushrooming may have like taken off or if someone like if they mushroomed the the pole and then ground it off you may lose that i have a couple axes that are like old kelly's that have charleston in them which are probably from you know the early 1900s and i can only see like half of the mark because it's been like ground and right. cleaned up many times so well, that's kind of cool in itself yeah you know it's right been, you see what, it's a little it's bit been, yeah. it's been used so much right that the steel has been <laughs> right um the other thing you really want to look for is just look at your bit, look at the cutting edge and make sure that there's not too much of the toe um, ground back because inevitably when you use an ax, you end up hitting the ground with it with the toe. So that's the part, the top of the cutting edge and that's the part that's going to hit the ground. So that's what gets chips and that's why you see a lot of axes with which, which you know, in the in the axe world we call toe jams. <laughs> like where, right. the, where the toe has gotten like ground off or chipped or something. So if an axe has a lot of ground back, like you need to look at the amount of hardened, hardenable steel on the edge. So if you can see, usually you can see a line, like a temper line or a hardened. So you have the difference between a high carbon steel and then a mild or lower carbon steel where, or, or just an area where they, they harden just the edge, but not the whole head. Right. So if you can see that edge, look how much more material you have. So if you don't have very much and, you know, it's not worth it to be able to grind it off, then it's not worth the price. Now, yeah. if you're just a collector and it has a cool stamp on it and you want to get it for that, then get it for and, that. And you it's know? four bucks. Right, exactly. And that's the other thing is that people ask all the time. One of the questions that people ask uh, on Axe Junkies and on, on Axe Hounds is, I have this axe head. How much is it worth? Mm. And to me, that's almost like a taboo question because an ax is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Right. So for me, I like, I like Kelly axes. Like that was what I got right early on. And I was, you know, in my mind at the, in the beginning was, Oh, I'll collect Kelly's and then anything else I get, those are the ones I'll sell so I can get more axes. But then I was like, well, I got some Collins and like, oh, these are kind of cool. They have a cool history too. I have a couple plums like, oh, plums are cool. You know, I've given away some axes <laughs> and stuff. And <laughs> but it's kind of yeah. like your first thing you kind of become a fan of. Yeah. It's like when kids are like, I don't know what it was, but the, the bulls were great. Yeah. I just right, became exactly. a Chicago basketball fan. Cause I like, yeah, right. You know, and Michael popular. Jordan and, or, or I got my first baseball card. Yeah. You know, whatever here, you live in Maryland, you should be an Orioles fan, but for some reason you like the, the LA Dodgers. Yeah. It was like Tom Wilson or because your older brother didn't yeah. want these, these Dodger cards right. and gave them to you. You're like, all right, I'm, I'm a Dodgers fan now. now. Yeah. I love the Dodgers. <laughs> right. So I had Kelly's in the beginning and I really liked them and they have a great history as well. So I started looking into that and then I got Collins and Plum and I have some Craftsman axes and some man and, and they're just like, oh, I guess I'm just going to call it. I'm just going to keep them all. <laughs> like, you know, maybe I'll give, I like to give them away occasionally if, you know, I'm giving a, a present or whatever one year maybe five or six years ago okay. i um yeah i made i got vintage axes and gave them to each of my brothers as christmas presents so yep. new handles and I actually each of the handles i kind of um, shaped specifically to like Devin and i are the same size so we both have bigger hands so a little bit bigger handle just to like fit in your hand better our brother drew's a little bit smaller so his was a little bit smaller you know so kind of drew and derek had lady Lady handles, he painted them pink. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst, right? When people paint, when tools are pink. It's a tool. Right. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't need to be pink. It doesn't need to be pink. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people wear pink jerseys. 
Right. <laughs> really? You can't support your team colors? <laughs> I love the Cowboys, but I want a pink Cowboys jersey. And for us here in Baltimore, it's Ravens. Right. It's yeah. already purple. It's purple. Yeah. It's a girly color. You don't need <laughs> don't a pink Ravens. It's the color of royalty. <laughs> it's not girly. <laughs> that purple is You tell Lamar that as he man. runs by you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so my recommendation is just look for look for a stamp. If you see a stamp, it might be worth it. You know, if it's not, if if you don't see a stamp on it and it's in really good condition, it's probably worth it as well. You know, if it has a fiberglass handle, it's probably newer and may not be worth it. But if you need an axe, it'll still work as an axe. So if you're not sure, I guess how, how much is a brand new decent axe? The um, thing you would say okay. you get from Home Depot. You want to go buy one, right? How much is that? Is it? It might be like, like thirty bucks. Yeah. yeah, like thirty, forty dollars. Yeah, they're not they're not super expensive. You get like a a new Collins or something from Ace Hardware or whatever. You know, it's going to be in that range. Right, thirty to forty dollars, uh, fifty dollars maybe. Um, if you want to buy a new quality axe, there are some kind of nice you know, companies. There's Grand Forge Brooks and Holtz Brooks and Haltafors um, over in like the you know, Sweden and Finland area. Uh, those, um, we're going to run you anywhere from like 120 to three or 400, um, right. depending on the size and what they're used for. Um, and then there's a bunch of like, really like, uh, council tools is a newer company there. They have good priced axes, but then they have some kind of like, um, uh, some like premium axes that are specifically for like bushcrafting. So those will get a little bit more expensive. Right. Um, and then like their velvet cut line, which is premium. So it's like a nicer, you know, head. It may have been more like hand done by some specific blacksmith yeah. in the, in the foundry or whatever. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of these things, most people aren't going to use them that much. Right. It's like, Hey, this, this axe is better if you use it every day. Right. And, exactly. you have to cho- and you're chopping thousands of times a day. Yeah. Right. But most of us aren't. Right. You just want an axe to have it in general. Right. And maybe if it's heavier, you can do some splitting with it, but maybe you got to take down a few things. Yeah. You kind of get what you like. So maybe, maybe don't, you know, don't spend over. I mean, it depends. Maybe some places like the, the antique mall in Westminster, that, that the one he would handle, rehandle some stuff. Yeah. Right. So he had nice handles on him and then they did get to a little bit more expensive. Right. Yeah. And 30 to 50, but so, so you can buy. A cooler, older, I mean, cooler, it's your taste. Right, But most yeah. times, it's a cool tool that you know has yeah. been around. Right. It's got some age to it. Yeah. Yeah, 40 bucks, and it's nice. Why not have right. something nice that you know yeah. has been around, it's got some history to it. And if I pay, say, if I were to buy, like, a premium axe, either a Grant's First Brooks or, like, Liam Hoffman axe or something like that or, you know, a Velvet Cut I'd be worried about messing it up. <laughs> it's right. like, I just spent like $250 on this ax. I don't want to cut anything with it. I mean, I would, but you know, I'd be worried. And and that's what I love about finding old axes. You know, I paid like this one, the Devin just got me a 16 bucks, right? I'm going to put that on a, like a nice handle, either make one or I'll get like a new old stock one that I have a kind of a collection of from finding it yard sales and things for a couple bucks each, or I might buy a new one for 12 bucks and then shape it the way I want it, you know? And then I have like $30 into it. And it's an awesome axe, and it's going to work really well. And I don't right. have to worry about hitting it on the ground. If for some reason I slip and I hit a rock and it gets a chip in it, I'll clean it up and resharpen it and do it again. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, spend what you want. Right. But maybe if you see a head that you think is really cool and you've heard these things, maybe right. not spend over twenty bucks. Yeah. On just a head because you know you got to hang it, you got to put that time into it. Right. But, if um, you're going to use it, yeah, I wouldn't say there's there and there are lots of really awesome makers marks and heads and stamps on axes that if i found one 
I'd buy it if it were cheap enough, but I probably would not use it. Mm. Um, there's like the black Raven ax, which has this beautiful stamp and there's the, the plum champion. There's all sorts of really beautiful stamps. So ax companies used to stamp the different ax heads. So you'd have one ax company that would do say seven or eight different styles of axes and they'd all the different names like the Kelly perfect and the wood slasher and the Flint edge, you know, there are all these different, um, and the Kelly black Raven. And, you know, so there are a lot of different, um, styles of axes and they had different quality levels. So, um, there's like world's finest. And so there are different quality levels and they were denoted by the different styles. Yeah. Um, and so they would get different stamps and stuff. And they had these beautiful stamps that were stamped in the side of them. So there are some really awesome ones. And like the Black Raven, uh, which is probably the highest selling axe you'll find mm. out of all axes. Uh, that one was in the medium quality line. It was in the same. It was actually lesser quality than a Kelly Perfect. Right. Uh, it was like in the same as like a, a Flint Edge. Right. They're all kind of these medium to low quality. So at the time, they were being sold for the same price as those. And now it's become popular. It is like a really beautiful stamp. Mm. I would say like early on when I first started getting into axes, I saw that stamp and I was like, that's so cool. You know, that's like my white wheel, my white whale. And not even because it was popular at the time, it was just because it was beautiful. And I love birds as well. I love crow feather tattoo. You know, I love crows. <laughs> I love that black, you know, I love the black feather. So that was like, cool. This is awesome. And then I you know, come to find out that I'm not the only person that feels that way. Right. <laughs> there are like it's, lots of, and yeah, the whole world, the it's, axe it's, company. Yeah, it's the different. It's just different. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is a really cool logo and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I would say, you know, keep, keep your eye out for, for fun axes and, or just axes in general that are, that are cheap at yard sales and things and look out, you know, do a little research into what you're getting and, uh, yeah, you know, you should, you can collect axes just like me and have, have 30 up on a rack that are ready to go and another 30 or 40 in a bucket that need to be restored. <laughs> and I have a new one today. Thanks to Devin. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> so, uh, you've kind of talked about the, um, the video a little bit, you know, we'd love for you guys to go check that video out. If you haven't already seen it and check out our new video, which just came out uh, on Tuesday and is doing pretty well on how to sharpen an ax. Um, We'll put the uh, link to the videos down in the description or in the the description of this podcast. So we're going to get into our recommendations um, and I'll do mine first since it's kind of follows right behind the ax conversation. Um, My recommendation is the website yesteryearstools.com, yesteryearstools.com. And that is a website that was started by Tom Lamond. Tom Lamond spent a lifetime of acquiring um, knowledge about axes and axe companies. So if you go to yesteryearstools.com, right in the beginning of it, you'll see there's like a whole list at the top of the page that are all axe company names. And you just find the name of the axe company you want, you click on it, and it'll give you the history, all the history that he's ever found on that axe company. So there are like three pages on Collins. There's multiple pages on Kelly and Plum and all Craftsman and uh, just every every like axe company that you can find. He will have it on there. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's uh, American axes, maybe. Sorry, I'm just looking real quick. Yeah, it looks like it's. American axes. Um, 
and you know the history behind them obviously there's all sorts of history where you know there'll be a company that starts because it's coming from another company from outside of usa but like i don't see um some of the uh like swedish axis x companies and stuff on here so it's mostly mostly american but there's just everything i mean one of the really popular axe companies right now is norland um they're you know they didn't start until like the 60s late 60s early 70s so um and they're really popular and for good reason they're really cool axes and they have great stamps and stuff on them but um yeah check out yesteryearstools.com uh tom lamond he did a great job a lot of people have contributed to that you can find all the information you want. And I just thought about that because someone commented on our axe sharpening video and was like, I have this old axe head and where can I go and find out information when it was made based off of the stamp on it? And I was like, yeah. you can go to yesteryearstools.com. It'll have that <laughs> exact information. And you know, you'll click on it and then it's just like a few pages of information about when they started and where their factory was at this time. And they were using this stamp at this time. And then, you know, between these years, these and these, they'll use a stamp. And then, you know, they changed the the font on the, the, you know, the first letter in the name at this year. And then, so from here to here, it was this way. And then, you know, then they added a little like circle around it or they added some little dashes and stuff. Right. And so it really goes into in depth about all that information. So if you have an accent and it has a stamp on it and you want to know the, uh, when it's from, you can look up there and, um, and that'll help you for those people who are, who want to know the worth of their axes. Uh, I would say the best thing is to like find out what it is, find out what time it's from, and then go to somewhere like eBay and you know see what the market value of those things are. So, right. you know, most axes you're going to get vintage axes. You might be able to sell them for you know anywhere between twenty and fifty dollars, maybe sixty, seventy bucks. But then if you get something really special, it might go for a couple hundred bucks, depending on who wants it. It's really all about market value. Yeah, and it, that's the thing. I mean, it's. The question's fine to say how much this is is this worth because you, you get you find some old axe and you're like maybe I'll sell it I don't know mm. this looks old old things sometimes are worth money but right you're not going to get rich off of one axe head right unless and, someone famous yeah. used it or something right and that's you know for the for the people who are you know when we see that pop up you're going to get a lot of those kind of almost like off the cuff comments that are like what's it worth to you you know how much do you want like what did you pay for it that's what it's worth because it really is i mean i always say that about artwork you know when i sell when i sell a painting or when i buy a painting or a piece of artwork as soon as i buy it for whatever price it's worth more than that to me yeah because if i if i get a painting and i love it enough to buy it now this is something that has no value other than Mm. the fact that it's giving me pleasure to look at yeah it's not like a tool where I'm going to use it. It's going to be hung on my wall. It's purely just to look at and enjoy some other person's craftsmanship, their artistry. Right. It's, um, yeah, it's the seller's remorse thing, right? Right. People go, you kind of keep, if it's somewhere like, <laughs> hey, I don't want to sell it, right? And you go double right. it. Uh, yeah, I guess. And then uh, how much is something is you really like? Yeah. I, I was thinking about selling a guitar a while ago. Right. And then eventually you go like, no, I wouldn't sell it for anything. Right. I mean, maybe they threw some crazy price at you for a right. guitar. Yeah. Um, but it was my dad. You know, it's the Univox. Yeah. I, right. I don't think I was thinking of selling it, but I was looking into how much it's worth. Right. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, this Univox, it, it, it might like not be worth a lot, yeah. but it, it actually went up. Because the Univox, it, it, they, it's a lot of Japanese companies copied American companies early on in the 60s. Because they, it was it. You could you could just rip someone off in in the style of instrument in the look of it back then. Right. Because up until then, it wasn't really a thing. Like a violin is shaped like a violin, right? No matter who makes it, 
So you can't go, hey, your violin's shaped like mine. Like, well, yeah, it's violin. Yeah, this is how they should be. Yeah. This is, your cello looks like mine. Yeah, all cellos look like this. <laughs> right, so when yeah. the guitar started getting popular in the 50s, rock and roll, and then the yeah. 60s, all these companies, Gibson, Gibson and Fender. Right. We're making the, a specific They shapes. were making these shapes that you know, yeah. that you see, and then other companies were just taking the shape of the body and the headstock. Right. Japanese companies were just making them for cheaper. Yeah. Like they've always done. Yeah, and, so and, and usually yeah. equal or better quality. Right. And the one you have, it looks like the Gibson Les Paul. It looks exactly like a black Les Paul. Yeah. And except for the Univox, uh, it says Univox on, on the, the headstock. Yeah. So there, there's all that. Yeah. Like you said, but I, I, I w- yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell it for anything. Right. But yeah, it's what what's it's, it's right worth because you. its value to you now has gone up because of the history. And yeah, as our dad, our dad, and, 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 and I, I have a band, and we yeah. played with it, and every recording we ever did was with that Univox. Yeah, right. So oh. the value of it has gone up for you mm-hmm. because it's your relationship with it. Right, it might, it might be worth nine hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, but it, I wouldn't sell it for. Right, it depends. You know, <laughs> offer me twenty grand, maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah, it exactly. has to be a crazy number like that. <laughs> right, right, and. uh yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Like, if you if you if I were to buy a painting, so I bought, say I buy this painting that I can hold, right? You know, it's ten by twelve something. I'm carrying it out of the gallery, and someone sees it on the street, and they're like, "Oh, that's a great painting. Can I buy it from you?" I mean, immediately the price has gone up from whatever I paid twice, well, three yeah. times, four times, right. because now I have I bought it because I enjoy it. Right. So the value it doesn't matter what it what it costs. It's right. already worth way more than that to me. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, that's kind of that, that when people ask that, what's it worth? Because there's not a specific price on these things. It's market value. So, well, yeah, if you put it up, you might, you might, and they say that on like what antiques roadshow all the time, you know, they give you, they give you a range. It's like 10 to $20,000 because it depends on the person on that day in the auction Mm -hmm. who's buying it. And what's, you know, it could go up for three, four or five times that much. Like it unlucky. Yeah. That's a, such a tricky thing. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So it's like. Well, what would you want to sell it for? That's what it's worth to you. Right. You know, if, if you really love it, then, and you wanted, you knew you need to sell it, maybe you put it up on eBay for whatever the price is, you wouldn't go below. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it, I love this axe or I love this thing. You know, I, I wouldn't sell it for any less than a hundred bucks. Right. All right. So you put it on eBay for a hundred bucks. That's your lowest bid. And that's, that's what it's worth to mm-hmm. you now. Mm-hmm. And you know, it might not sell. <laughs> and then, you know, that's not worth a hundred bucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that, then another time, you know, you might put it up and someone actually just sees it and they're looking for that one thing, you know, like, all I need for to finish my collection of Norland axes is the Norland camper in this size, you know? Right. So as soon as it pops up, I'm going to buy it. It doesn't matter the price because it's part of a collection or it's something that I've been looking for. It's something that I had when I was a kid and now mm-hmm. I love to get it back. You know, it's all that, that value is in it. There's, those things don't right. have an interest. You got to find the right, right buyer. Right. And, uh, speaking of Univox, <laughs> Kurt Cobain from Nirvana, he played a Univox, uh, or he had, there's pictures of him playing a certain Univox, not the Les Paul copy one, but a different one. And that one's crazy. Well, not crazy. But if you find that Univox, right. you, can, you can get the Les Paul copy, but there's another one that kind of looks more like a Fender. And that one's like right. two grand right, if you yeah. want it. Which right, is, which exactly. is a, a good bit for a electric guitar. If you want a, a brand new US made Fender Stratocaster, which, uh, you know, that's... It, the, well, the like Eric of, Clapton and Jimi yeah. Hendrix, what they play. Uh, that that's anywhere from a grand to you can probably get one brand for new. 1100, 1200 brand new U.S. made. Right. You can get a you can get a cheaper one. 
in <laughs> yeah. from from Mexico or China. Right, right. But when they say made in the U.S. in the back, you know, yeah. they're they're a little bit more expensive. Right. But that that one's that one's like going for two grand now. An yeah. old an old company that no one knows of. And that's the yeah. I mean, that, that's the other thing you need to worry about, like. As as things get older, they build value. Some things do, like guitars. You know, right. the history of a guitar, and specifically, especially acoustic guitars, mm. because the the age of the wood, how they like change the tone, they change yeah. the tone. It gets like and, and, better and better with time. Yeah. So guitars, yeah, they want to yeah, be played. This old, you know, old Gibsons and old Martins and stuff from the 30s and 40s. Mm. I mean, that's like the best. You know, you're going to spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars on an acoustic guitar from that time. Maybe, yeah. Depending on you know, right, if, it's, right, if it's in good shape, because they they sound thousands, so good. thousands of dollars thousands, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a, there's an awesome another recommendation. Uh, it's an awesome book called Clapton's Guitar, and uh, it's from. Damn, I can't think of the maker right now. It's this really awesome guitar maker down in uh, Georgia or South Carolina. Um, Oh man, I feel really bad. I can't think of his name, but he's a guitar maker and he, and he's one of the best guitar makers in the world. And Eric Clapton reached out to him to have him build an acoustic guitar. And it's kind of fun. The whole thing about his, his company or his guitars, it's like, he's got, you know, this wooden cabinet with little two inch by two inch dividers. And there are all these like rolled up invoices inside each one. And this is the people's guitar. If you show up in a shop and you hang out and you bring him a pie and you talk to him or you call him and you, you pester him and you're around, he'll just inevitably start picking up your guitar and working on it. <laughs> and it'll get done earlier. And like, you know, Clapton wanted a guitar from him, but it's Eric Clapton. So he's all over the world doing all sorts of stuff. And he's, you know, not necessarily, living off of his fame, but he is right. You know, after mm. so much time you understand like, Oh, it's Eric Clapton, right? You can reach out to a guitar company. Hey, I want, I want a guitar and it's yeah. probably going to be done pretty soon. I think it sure stuck until it took him like 10 or 12 years to make Clapton's guitar, <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted like a, a similar to like a double lot or a triple lot, you know, uh, Martin, um, mm. guitar, you yeah. know, the kind of small body guitars and stuff and old school Robert yeah. Johnson style yeah, blues right. guitar. Yep. And they ended up doing like a thing where he, he had, he made both, he made a guitar and then he made another one for like an auction and they auctioned off a, a, a guitar that actually I think Clapton used in his, um, unplugged mm. MTV unplugged when he did, uh, That's cool. Layla oh, yeah. unplugged yeah. like that guitar he used on that recording mm. ended up being auctioned off. And so the maker ended up doing it a little bit sooner because. That's a really cool book, though. Cotton's guitar. I, uh, you know what I hate? Signature series guitars. Yeah. Guitars that are copies of other people's guitars. Oh, yeah. Unless you're purely, a, if you're a super fan of whatever group it is or person. Right. But why right. would you want to make your own music right. with someone else's, like... Wayne Henderson, sorry. Oh, that's just, the guitar maker. Yeah, the, way, the guitar maker's Wayne Henderson. The book's called Clapton's Guitar. Ah, but yeah, but yeah, they'll be like, "Hey, we're making this. It's got the the marks exactly where his oh, marks right. are, and yeah. it looks just like it, and it's got his name on." Like, okay, I don't care. Yeah. Again, you know, that's the market, right? It's market value, so it depends on yeah, know, there's, yeah. There's collectors might get it. that, but right. anyone playing in a band, I don't think they would buy a something with Eric Clapton's signature on it, right? Like, okay, it's his. I don't want to. We're not him, right? You want your own sound, and you develop a sound by having a, an instrument, you know, right. like like BB King, you know, like. What's it? Uh, what's Lucille. It? Lucille, right? You know, right. he had, yeah, he had lots of that. It was, and he was playing like a, but a hollow body, uh, Gibson. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, and that's you know he had a lot of Lucilles, but it was that one type of guitar. Right. So he had a bunch of them, and that's that right. Was, like, and you can buy the brand guitar, right? Like, hey, I don't sound like Jimmy, so I'm going to buy a Strat 
right and play it upside down or yeah or i want to sound uh like, like an old blues guy by the telecaster or yeah an old telly or yeah. country guy telecaster yeah or by les paul and sound a little bit uh rougher acdc led right. zeppelin yeah uh, gibson sg yeah mm. flying v flying v <laughs> those are cool too yeah cheap yeah. trick yeah <laughs> and the flying v uh-huh. um anyway uh I'm going to go to my recommendation. It's a, a YouTube. Not, this is the thing. I don't know if it's the channel, but it comes up as uh, Absolute History is, is the channel that's on it. But I think maybe they have licensed uh, some BBC shows okay, and put them up. But it's it's pretty. It's I mean, it seems like a decent channel. I don't know exactly. So, I mean, we'll this put, a, we'll put a link to the video. Yeah. But this is where I found it. And it comes up as the title card is Secrets of the Castle with Ruth, Peter, and Tom. And it's a long series, uh, another British show. And there's a group of people building a castle in France, the traditional way, how they would have built it. That sounds so cool. Many, many years ago. And um, it's like a 25-year project. So you have all these master craftsmen, um, and they have to make everything. And they all their stuff is around them that they use. So, so any clays, so any stones, oh, okay. m- metals maybe, yeah, but they're right. just using it that way, and they're using the streams to mill stuff. Oh, right. You know, they built a mill and did a stream and a canal system so yeah. they could power it. And then, Yeah, I wonder how, like, how deep do you go? It's like, it, that, they always talk about that in knife making, but like, you know, the debate is between uh, forged knives and stock removal knives. And people are like, well, it's not, you know, forged is better, blah, 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 right. blah, blah. Well, yeah, but you're, you know, how originally are you getting, you're not, you're not like smelting the iron and, right. <laughs> you know, adding carbon to they, high carbon they steel. Are. They're, they're doing this. That's what I'm yeah, I wonder how deep they go. They go, I think, what's it called? Not active archaeology, but. Right. They're basically doing this thing as a learning exercise. Right. So trying to do everything. The only things that I can see and that they talked of that is modern is a few safety. Is a few um, safety things. Right, right. That is, that needs, you know, the whatever the French government won't let you build without certain scaffolding. Right, right. But even the scaffolding is wood, but it's modern milled and planed wood. Right. And it's not the way they, they do everything else with boards so do, cutting doing, them down. Yeah, so they're doing the best they can. And there's some straps. Yeah, they right. they do these the cool cranes on the towers, on the turrets, Yeah, that where there's two guys in giant hamster wheels. Oh, right. And that's how they get these that's stones crazy. up to the top from the, the from the masons. Mm-hmm. They do that crane, but the straps I remember seeing are, are modern right. straps. The canvas straps that hold up thousands of pounds. But other that. than that, everything, I mean... They the, there's a there's a blacksmith always there, oh, constantly so sharpening cool. tools because a lot of them aren't they're yeah, old right. school tools, so they need to be sharpened a lot. They're iron, you right, know, they're yeah. not these really sharp steel stuff. And all their tiles on the roofs are all clay from around there, Fire and and, and you have someone who fires them, and that's man, so, so crazy. cool. It's it's a five six part series, and these uh, uh, Ruth, Peter, and Tom. I guess they do a bunch. I've seen some others, but okay. They stayed at, at this castle for like six months. I don't know if they lived there, but they were nearby. Right. And they tried to live like it and be there and tried all the different things and weapons. Yeah, and so awesome. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah. Check it out. It's yeah. an, Each episode's an hour, so it's like six hours of content oh, for nice. you guys. So do they? is it finished at the end of the Mm-mm. series? Okay. So no. they're still working on it. And the series, I think, is a little bit older. And okay. I don't know when it came out, but my guess would be like 2010. 
But I re- I, I searched that castle's Way name back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Years ago, the before times. <laughs> no one was alive then. <laughs> um, and I've seen some updates where it's closer to being done. Uh, but I That's think cool. I think it should be done within the next couple of years. Right, it's a slow project. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. It'd be kind of fun to like look into. Uh, I mean, obviously they're doing what they can do to do it in old style, but it's taking specifically longer because they have to like do something that they're not used to, or they're or right. Like, they're investing time in doing it as accurately as possible. I wonder if you compare that to how long it would have taken uh, a crew to make a castle in that time. Right. Obviously, you know. King could ask for someone who's done made, it before they pay enough and they want it done in a year, right? right. You like they're going to bring in enough slaves. Well, I, I don't even think, I don't yeah, think right. you could. A lot of those right. things were those castles were huge projects. Yeah, right. It's almost like certain defenses. You like you know it won't. It might not even be here in your lifetime, but right. you start the castle to show your your power. Right, like right. hey, we're here for good because they did a lot of wooden forts and a lot of wooden castles. Yeah, right. Quote unquote castles, but whenever they wanted to go, we're going to be here. Like right. the British going into Ireland or things yeah, like yeah. that. We're here. We're building a stone. The only thing here in stone is our castle. Right. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, people just couldn't get in. You would have to starve them out usually. Right. You, know, you can try. But the main thing was starve siege. people out. The siege. Yeah. yeah right. Just you you, you could climb the walls, but most of the time it just wasn't worth it. Right. Yeah. The loss of lives to try to get into a castle. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that just reminds me of what we were talking about last episode on the uh, post-apocalyptic, the Dies of Fire series. You know, they, they, one of the fun thing, things I liked about it was the juxtaposition of this kind of ancient technology with modern ideas, right? So they were using like ferro concrete and things that would like, you know, they could put up stones really quick and they would, instead of doing a stone wall, they would build a wood wall, you know, that was maybe 10 feet from end to end and they'd fill it with rocks and concrete. Mm. So you just build like this giant wall of rocks and concrete that's just skinned with wood and there's no way you're going to get through that. But because they had all this modern technology and this idea of what you do, like they understood the best castles over time because they have the history of what castles lasted. So they built those castles right? and they built these types of forts and, you know, (laughs) and just use modern materials and stuff. There's modern ways you can do it. I-beams and things, you know, to make, and you know, half inch thick steel doors, you know, you can't batter, batter down a half inch stick the old steel door. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then those, those walls and castles that were yards and yards thick, whatever, 10 feet thick. Right. They were infilled with stuff. Yeah, right. Rubble so, stuff. Yeah, too, it yeah. was these. And on, on big towers, you know, this great series, I learned yeah, that yeah. every certain amount, every 10 feet, they did a very specific, certain clean band of stone. Uh, the Masons did real nice, uh, heavier, uh, whatever the harder stone was, some type right. of granite or not granite, maybe not that much, but you know. Right. To not, distribute the weight up. and Right. Yeah, you need right, these exactly. bands to... And to re-level it all, right? right? So these perfect level stuff, and then they stack. So if you ever see t- towers and turrets, they've got these bands. Yeah. Because they're going back to, okay, let's make it level. That's awesome. Um, and another interesting thing was they all had, there wasn't a universal measuring. Uh, right. It's pretty much at the beginning of a thing. It's like, hey, this is what. Yeah. Yeah, there was like common Here's measurements. A, like yeah. it's, it's as long as my forearm. <laughs> right. It was like, so what's your, this version? You had right, to, obviously, yeah. you had to be very precise. So um, measuring sticks. You'd have like a so, stick. so each yeah. place would, you'd come on a, th- on a site and they'd go, yeah. okay, this is what this means. This is the measurement. Yeah. This is the measurement. This is the measurement we're using this for this project. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, that's not so much fun. Good series. I like that. You know, it's like, and that's one of those things where just, I guess, with uh, like jig making, you know, it's jigs are all about, it doesn't, you know, if you're making a jig to make one thing over and over and over again, you're just setting it up. You know, if I'm chopping on the chop saw, I need to do, you know, 20 pieces of wood that are all the same length. I'm just going to set up a stop at whatever distance I want and cut them all to that length, right? right? And it's all based off of the control piece, which is the first piece I make. Right. And I measure everything off of that. And that's one of the tricks. Just a, a quick trip for you guys, trick. When you're <laughs> If you're cutting stuff and you want to cut a bunch the same way, cut your first one and measure that one for everything. Don't like cut five or six. And on the sixth one, you use that one to measure the next, oh, the seventh right, one, and right. the seventh one to measure the eighth one. You always <laughs> use the first one to measure everything. Right. It's your control, so... All right. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Um, fun to talk about axes. I, I we suggest I suggested this. I was like, yeah, this is a fun one because we had the flood, and it was fun to talk about that too. But it's just a great way for me to talk about axes, which I love to do. <laughs> All right. Anything else? You good? I think that's oh, it. That's a show. That's Jeff. it, folks. We're doing a long one. <laughs> Craig would say. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for watching. For <laughs> thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Still gotta get used to that. Still <laughs> YouTube brain. Yeah, uh, and it's been fun to chat with you guys about this stuff. And this is just a great uh, thing. We we really enjoy doing the podcast, and it's fun for Dem and I to chat like this a little bit. And we're excited to get some more fun guests on. We have some people in line coming up, so we'll we'll talk to you more about that. Um, if you're interested in finding our you, our uh, podcast, you can find it on uh, where, where, all the yeah. all the normal podcast avenues: Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and whatever the other ones are. Wherever you're <laughs> listening to it now. Yep, and we're part of the Makery Network. You can find it at Makery Network. You can go there as well online to download and listen to our our channel there. And the Makery Network is just a great network of a bunch of cool maker uh, channels and podcasts and people who are doing really fun stuff and good quality podcasts. So we're mm-hmm. really super excited to be part of the Makery Network and uh, hopefully we'll all do really well and be able to sponsor each other. Um, there are some fun ideas of things that we might be doing in the future with some of the other Makery Network podcasts. So keep an ear out for that if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us on uh, YouTube, The Art of Craftsmanship. You can find us on Instagram at The Art of Craftsmanship. You can email us, uh, theartofcraftsmanship at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you are interested in uh, if think, think finding a way to uh, help our channel out, um, people ask a lot. And, you know, it took us a, a while because we didn't really want to ask. But, you know, I think it's important sometimes that, to give people an avenue to help out. And if you want to help out financially, you can always go to Patreon and you find us there. And if you're interested, you can help support our channel and all that money goes back into the channel. We're buying new gear all the time and, you know, stuff to make it fun and more fun. We actually, we're just talking about today about getting two more microphones so we can actually have four people in the shop hanging out, which is perfect because we have two other brothers. It'd be fun (laughs) to get them in and do some, do some podcasts with them. That would be, that would be a fun time. So yeah. All right guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. It's been a fun day. We appreciate all the listens and we will talk to you next time. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. 
To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.